Yo, excuse me, Miss Lynn. Yeah. Have you ever seen a show with a couple on the mic with bad content and it don't come out right? We tight. They ain't never tight. And that's not polite. Am I lying? No, you're quite right. Well, tonight on this very mic, you're about to hear. We, we swear the, the best, best podcast of the, of the year. year. So, so. Here we go. Scream Bravo. Also, if you, you didn't know, this is our show. Hey, I like that. Welcome, welcome, welcome to America 20 to Life. I'm your host, Mike Lynn, here with my beautiful wife and co-host, Erica Lynn. What's up, babe? What's up, y'all? Today's a special show. It's the, I believe, sixth part of our candidate forums. Sounds right. I wouldn't say candidate forums, but candidate interviews for city council and mayor. Conversations. Uh, yeah, conversations. There you go. And today we have Oprah Revish on from second ward, or second ward candidate um, in what seems to be at this point a heads up battle against Jeremy Garza. Yeah, so far. Yeah. Might change. I think um, the third candidate, I think I got word, was... Um, is in college. Oh. And so it's had to be like swamped with trying to stay in college and then is going to be re-entering back into it soon. At what point? After I August? Know. or? <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I, mean, I commend uh, him for jumping in. Yeah. I would just say that. No, I get I it. Really I haven't to. just seen him at any forums up to this point. Not to say anything bad about the young man. I just, well, no, the BLM ones he did. That, he yep. did come to BLM, but I'm just saying it's, uh, so anyways, I, like I said, with, a, with what seems to be a heads up battle at this point, uh, anyways, I found out as of recently that our village, Lansing, and this building, I believe, are in the second ward. I didn't know that. Today, years old. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> Literally, when we found that out, I was like, Well, because no. it's like it's like the, the lines are so sliver. weird, you know, like that sliver that goes up Washington and it's Kara Hope, and we thought we were Sarah Anthony this whole time. And I'm like, that's my state rep. And they're like, no, she ain't. I'm like, what do you mean? Nah, that Washington we... between South and what you call Elm Street is like, what the, how is that? So why is this a problem? Because uh, Kara Hope also is representative for Hope, Mason, like some of Charlotte area. So her, the issues there are completely different than what the issues are at Washington Avenue where we live at. So that's a problem. You know what I'm saying? But um, no sense. No, it doesn't. But anyways, uh, we have uh, Oprah here who could possibly be our city council ward rep for our both of our businesses and i didn't know that up to, up to that point so that's pretty cool yeah so we found out we were wrong on both accounts yeah it's like oh all right so we're gonna have a good conversation um we sat down and had a little conversation prior and just kind of got to know uh the person and so it's going to be good to have you all know the person uh it's funny when with these with these candidate with these candidate conversations um you know we really want you all to be able to just know who who you're dealing with and it's not so political as it as like the forums are when they get the two minutes to answer a direct question and then where they are in line kind of changes how they have to answer it because somebody else says some bs then they gotta be like wait a minute what they well so they this have is, to like address it in their yeah i gotta address and that give their own platform so this is this is different i believe it's it's more powerful than having a two-minute segment that you get to spit something out um the platform at what we've had up to this point you know with the other candidates uh, the viewership has been great. I mean, the turnout over the last month and a half that since we've been doing that, I think we've reached like 60,000 people. That's a lot of people in the city of Lansing. And I mean, abroad, you know, we have some viewers outside of the city, but 
that's a lot of people that reached not to say they all viewed but they it reached them you know that's that's that means a lot that means they skimmed past it or looked at it for a second but most of the most of the videos that that people the candidates have come on have reached i think what 1.1.4 average average views 1.4 k that's a lot of people and they get residual watch a lot yeah if you're especially if you're like an at large i mean to have a forum that you can come on and speak to the people and have that many people view your real person and your real issues and the things that you're focused on. That's a, that's a big deal. So I, I think that the platform is good. Um, and I think that we're going to continue on doing this even after the primary. I think once this thing locks down and gets, you know, a smaller field, we're definitely going to be having people on. Um, so as competitors go, uh, Nicholas Zandi and uh, Jeremy Garza both got a, a request to come on. Not shouldn't request, but invitation to come on. We haven't heard anything back from them. So I think that's to be noted. Uh, that they they haven't come back um, out of all of the candidates up to this point, just in true transparency. Um, we haven't gotten anything back from Peter Spadafore. Obviously, Andy Shore is not going to come on the show. Uh, we didn't get anything back from Brian T, although I did talk to him personally and he said he would definitely come on. Uh, but we didn't still get anything. Need that email response. Yeah, we still need that response because that's kind of official at that point. Now we know, it's a commitment. you know, and that, that so that's that those three haven't Patricia Spitzley hasn't. And she's been on the show before. Yeah. So that was that was odd. But, you know, whatever. I don't know. Maybe they got some stuff going on or their emails bogged up with a bunch of stuff. I don't know. But America's that important. You better get back to us on that. At least to say no. You know, give I us know. something. Because if you don't, we're just going to do a show all about you anyways. <laughs> so wouldn't you want to be here? Cause like, then I got to piece all your platforms yeah, and all that stuff, you know, we're gonna saying. We're going to city pulse you anyways, so you might as well come <laughs> on here. That's what we're going to start. It's an adjective now. City pulsing you. When you do somebody, like, when you do somebody like that, like, you just Mm. do it. Like, all right. Like, we're going to sit a picture of you over here and just have a whole conversation about you and act like you're there. Screenshots that off your stuff off your Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. So, I would, if I, I mean, not to threaten anybody or anything, but I would, I would definitely come on because I'm, I'm serious. We're going to do a show. We're going to talk about About you and your candidate. Yeah. The candidate that that doesn't come on. So, you are going to be on the show, just whether or not you are on here or not. And the people want to get to know you. That's something that other candidates are always always say that they watch the shows of the other candidates because, of course, they want to get to know. I learned a lot. You know, about yeah, the they're like, I didn't point. know that, and I really wanted to know about this one. Even somebody they're running against. Yeah. Like they're like that was really informative for me, and especially with like at large because two. Yeah. So then you kind of figure out. Hmm, I might be a little bit aligned with this person. Yeah. Maybe. So another thing we have to talk about today, this is some this is some real accountability that's about to happen right now on my own on my end. I have to I have to have some accountability for myself. I learned something new today that I wasn't aware of prior. And it came from a really unlikely source in Kyle Kaminsky from the City Pulse. He uh contacted me and said that uh, he had watched our show on Monday and heard that I had said to, or I said about um, Peter Spatterfor's, uh spat that he had with Kathy Dunbar, and then and, and then the in reference to that, and, yeah. yeah, and then the way that he acted after the fact. I had kind, I had stated, I had, had made a statement that he had he acted as a hissy bitch, and um, that's what I said on Monday. And so now that I know what that can. The impact of what something like that means, I probably would shouldn't even have just <laughs> I probably shouldn't have just said it again in reference to that. But so I got contacted by City Pulse uh, from what feel, felt like a hit job that he had made this whole big, I don't know, like 
preconceived like inquisitive, inquisitive type thing about like what my intentions were for calling Peter Spadafore, who was a part of the LGBTQ community, a hissy bitch and was at homophobic and all these type of things. And at the time I was like, yo, what are you well, trying to do? He didn't lead do? with that, to be fair. He didn't lead with that. And so we didn't. I'll read exactly what he said. Yeah, I, we didn't I think realize initially. Yeah, we didn't realize initially what um, he was implying at first. So that kind of made things worse. But then the moment there was the realization, it was. Yeah. Like, and this is not so much about what he said to me. Mm-hmm. It's more about the fact that I was. I was uh, informed of the impact, not yeah. necessarily my intentions of saying it. And so, you know, he sent me, I was I was back and forth with him on it because I didn't understand the implication. I'm like, what are you talking about? And so it, it was it was told to me what the implication of calling Peter a hissy bitch could mean, the impact of it and how he could be offended by that. So, um, you know, at first I was arguing the point because I didn't know any better and I didn't know that that could be an issue. So he sent me a, you know, a link to um, which is what we all should do to, you know, give people this information, let them decipher for themselves. But he I sent mean, me. Was yeah, he sent me a link. It was helpful. He sent me a link and it was a link that told like all the derogatory terms and bitch was one of them. And for L- it was LGBTQ dot org, I believe it was. And like all the offensive terms and bitch was one of them. And um. And when I read it, I was like, okay, it makes sense now. And so um, I got to apologize. So I'm here to do that now, to tell Peter Spadafore that I apologize. I didn't understand the impact of what my words would mean. uh, And I do know now. And so I apologize for that sincerely. Um, So I'm not going to say no more about it. That's what it is. I apologize to you and we'll move on. So anyways, I want to get that out the way. Um, Other than that, in... City news oh, today. Other news. Yeah, in other news today, uh, we got a phone call about um, MLK and Mount Hope and a raid that was taking place after a pullover. And so we was out in the area and decided, let's go check it out, man. Let's go see what's going on. And we drove down MLK. And this is something that I've been told a lot about this happening. I've been told a lot about this happening. I had witnessed it twice, but not in this form. Uh, but not visible, not, not visually. Well, I mean, we got called to the after effects, so we yeah, got called to the situation after it happened, and I uh, seen the the interaction. But I had known about this going on for a long time, and I've been talking about it for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so, um, we get on MLK, and I mean, it looked like like the way that the police were patrolling MLK, and not the regular, not Lansing police, but state police were patrolling. MSP. Yeah, MSP were patrolling uh, MLK. You know, they're they're looking to turn people into criminals. I mean, that's just what it is. And um, and so we got the call and the person they called said a very similar story to what I've heard before from other people that have been victims of it and other parents that have their children have been victims of it. Uh, And they said what they were visualizing is what they've been hearing happen. They're like, I watched it happen the way that people have been saying it's been happening. Yeah, that's what flagged them. Yeah. And so um, that's what I was about to tell is the way that it happens. And so what they do is they corral people and with unmarked cars. They corral you, meaning that they follow you for a long time. And then once you make an infraction or do something that they want to pull you over for, or if they already know they're pulling you over, but they just got to have a reason to be able to put on the paperwork. We pulled him over because he made an illegal turn or didn't slow down enough. So they follow you and kind of corral you into where they want you to go. And this is what this person called us and told us is that they got corralled in the quality dairy by unmarked cars and then the, the the state boys pulled in and made and effectively infected the stop. And 
it's exactly what I've heard from multiple sources, direct sources and parents of kids that have been pulled over on the south side. I haven't heard about it happening anywhere else. It's all been happening on the south end. Mm -hmm. Even the one kid that got pulled over on the north end got followed from the south end by city police until they had backup with him and then pulled him over on the north side. So um, this is concerning, yo. Like, you know, with the with the with everything that's going on with the fun police, the conversations that are coming out. You know, from downtown, like people are talking about this, that the Lansing Police Department has basically taken a hands off approach to any crime in the city to punish us for defund police. Like this is a narrative that's going around in the locker room. There is that the police are saying, oh, they want to defund police. Let them let them deal with this. Then let them deal with that. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. This isn't coming from like just speculation. These are people who are hearing overhearing these conversations and these things. So. That's a dangerous setup. And then so now also, I think what's really crazy about this is anytime a city, this is where transparency comes in. And you have so many issues where people keep saying like in the media, people who are elected officials or in those positions will say things like transparency is, you know, what we do at Lansing Police Department or what we do at the city of Lansing. And it's the exact opposite. It's gaslighting us. It's the exact opposite of what they actually do. Mm -hmm. But. That's what they're telling. It's propaganda, really, copaganda, as you say. It's what they tell the general public, but actually there's no, there's not, no transparency whatsoever. And if anybody asks for transparency, then they make a big deal out of it. Mm-hmm. So a couple things. Um, anytime a city has like a, a, foreign, a foreign agency in, meaning like the state police in, or if they contracted with the Ingham County Sheriff's Department to come in, or if they contracted with the FBI, or if, if anybody's anybody here else. patrolling the streets, it should be transparent. The city council should know. The people should know. Like, yes, there's going to be an overabundance of pressure coming from these different people because they're doing this type of thing. And nobody's talking about this. Like, nobody's talking about it. Except there are people talking about it, but they can't get answers from the people downtown. Even people, and when I say people downtown, there are people downtown that are trying to get the answers as well, but can't get them. So think about any other city where you've been at or you've watched on TV and when you see a you know a mayor have to answer to the public and the mayor comes out and he stands at the podium and the news is badgering him like what is all this that we're hearing about these police pulling over young black men you know for fall under false pretenses and stacking charges that's like a normal setting in most cities that's a normal setting it doesn't even matter if it's a small city like jackson or swartz creek if if there's an issue going on that the people are concerned about they call a press conference and ask the mayor the question they want to ask. They ask the police chief. They the bring chief him out in front exactly. and say, what is this? And you answer to me on the record right now. What is this that's going on? Be be concerned that we can't get that type of conversation. Be concerned that I have I have reporters that contact me and say, I can't get conversation from the mayor. If I ask him any question he doesn't like, he'll just shut the interview down and won't talk to me no more. I can't even ask him questions about policing. I can't ask him questions about this because if I do, then that's that should be so concerning when they don't feel like they have to answer to general public or the media for that matter. They don't have to answer to the media. So, um, or anyone or anyone. Yeah. City council asks and requests information. Think about who citizens are going to reach out to though. What do citizens a lot often do? What's their first gut reaction is to ask their city council member, right? What is going on with here? I'm seeing this, but your city council member doesn't know anything about it. They can give you no answers. Right. 
So who can? No one. So the city council is. I mean, I feel like they're being they're being held hostage too. But it's not that they're without resolve. They have uh, investigatory abilities to their to their you know in their toolbox. They're just not using, meaning that they can call the police chief sitting right in front of them and ask the question they want to. Mm-hmm. They have a whole committee that can investigate this stuff, call them in, public safety committee, call them in, ask all the questions they want. So I mean. I, I don't know if they're inept to do the job or they're complicit or what. I don't I don't get it. Like we understand that the mayor is not transparent. We understand that right now they're ruling with an iron fist in certain fashions. And this is what I mean by that. There's a lot of dangerous crime that's going on in the city. That they're not investigating doing anything about, but they're out here patrolling the streets like 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 it's this, this the Wild West, meaning they're turning people into criminals, but not catching the ones that are. So this it's it's concerning to me, you know, all of what's going on. And the, the biggest concerning concerning aspect of it is for me is that we just don't know. And the people should know, like, why we have a helicopter flying over our, our, our neighborhood all day. I live on the south side. Everything I do is on the south. Every day I see the helicopter just floating around our neighborhood. We should know that. That's not information that we have to get on Facebook and our neighborhood apps and say, hey, what is going on with all of these police? Like, think about. If you was out in the lawn doing your, you know, doing your lawn work and your kids was out playing and you got a helicopter going on, helicopter to us means like there's a dangerous person on the loose. Mm-hmm. How do you know the difference? How do you know to discern you know? if it's dangerous or if it's not dangerous? Everything they tell us is a lie. In the media, they say, uh, you know, two people killed, broad daylight on a Sunday, but we don't have a suspect, but nobody's in danger. Mm-hmm. How? No danger to the public. How is there no danger so- to the public when a murderer is still out here just walking around the streets? You know how dangerous it is, not only for the public, but for the police and everybody else that encounters that person if they think that their life is over? Because when you commit murder, your life is over in one or two ways. If you're getting locked up in prison forever or you're going to be killed by somebody else. So you're kind of moving around the world like a dead man walking. Like, that's really kind of how you're moving. Like, if I don't if I know I'm gone and this is it and I ain't got no way out of this thing, I'm about to just shoot it out, whatever the case is. I, that's a dangerous environment, man. That is a very dangerous environment. And as many people that we have moving around in the city that have those type of mindsets going on right now we are all in danger this is not a situation where there's no danger i don't know why they keep saying that or the police keep saying that so the underplay for the overplay is what i'm seeing it's like let's hide not talk about too much you know when all of this stuff is going on and as long as we don't have national like national is national but as long as we don't have like a big presence on it asking questions then what you know what difference does it make nobody's gonna nobody's gonna put anything together like all the victims and have them come on a show like this and have that conversation and point fingers. But maybe we do do that. Like maybe we have to get all these people who've been pulled over illegally and have their rights. So that's like, they got like a class action suit ready to go. I know they really do because there's a lot of people right now in this very moment that are literally just waiting and wanting a a way to just talk about their experience. They are so hurt and angry and frustrated and they feel so helpless. They feel disrespected. They feel left behind. They feel like no one's listening and it's getting to a point where they're like (laughs) some of the conversations surrounding what they want to do. I'm like, well, let's maybe we just try to like have a a community, like a community conversation forum type thing. And they're kind of open to that. But it's like you cannot oppress people and, and suppress their voices and disrespect them for so long. You can only do that for so long, especially grieving people. Let's not let's 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 take it a different level with this. And let's think about the people who are facing charges from these illegal arrests. Oh, gosh. And then they get a court appointed attorney who they're trying to tell, hey, you know, a lot of these kids don't know their rights. They don't know whether or not they should be scared or not. 
it doesn't matter. So let me say this right now where anybody watching, you share this to your friends and people and you, you put this word out far and wide. If they have no probable cause to have pulled you over and then they'll have no probable cause to have searched your vehicle, no matter what they find, it's it's null and void. That's it. But a lot of people don't know that. So they think that they're going to talk their way out of the situation when they get pulled over. And like, you know, I know that. So this happened to my to a family member of mine. And I'm so sad that I, I couldn't. A lot of this stuff is anecdotal that I do because it's something I hadn't thought about until like a family member, somebody I love is, is impacted by it. Then I'm like, damn it. Why didn't I think of that before? My nephew or my family member had a gun because he has to because it's a dangerous city out here. A gun in his glove box wasn't didn't have a CPL or any of that stuff and got pulled over for no reason. He was told he didn't have insurance. He did. He showed the insurance. The guy still was like, I'm about to search your vehicle because I smell marijuana or something stupid like that. The kids don't know no better. They think like I'm all in trouble. Let me just cooperate. This is why it's so dangerous to keep bringing police into our neighborhoods as pastors. They trust you. They shouldn't trust the police. Stop telling them they should trust the police. The police have given you no reason to trust them, period. None. They beat you, kill you. They do all these things, all of this lying and non-transparency and these pastors and all of these people that just want unity and peace keep bringing these police into the neighborhoods and taunting them around like these kids supposed to trust them. This is why you get into situations like my nephew got into mm -hmm. where he gets pulled over and he thinks this police officer is going to use discernment. He's not going to just do me bad. So I'm just going to give him everything and he's going to let me go. He says, I, you know, I can search, you know, I'm going to search the car, you know, because you don't have insurance. He doesn't question it. He just hands him insurance. Says, well, I do have insurance. Well, I'm still going to search because I smell something in the car. He doesn't know no better. So he wants to just get along and not get killed and get out of the situation. So says fine, because of course they tell him, well, if you don't let me search, I'll bring a dog and then you're going to make it even worse on yourself and all of that stuff. Because, even like Brian T. Jackson said, they can lie to you. Mm -hmm. The police can lie to you. They can tell you, you well, if you don't let me search police, the car, yeah. you know that's an extra charge and all. They can do any of that. Yep. Nobody will ever know. Because a lot of times the young people that are being pulled over for this type of situation don't know their rights, don't know how to handle the situation, don't file complaints, don't take the necessary procedures, meaning what's your name, what's your badge number, how many kids I'm talking to. I'm telling you on a day-to-day -day basis that are telling me I got this situation happening to me. And I asked, the first question I asked, what's the cop's name? I don't remember. Uh, what's the what's the uh, car you were in? Well, it was a rental. Uh, what's the uh, you know what what's the when um, was it? What day? What when time? was it? What day? What time? Like, can you tell me? Uh, you know, was it LPD or MSP? And it's like I get it though because as soon as that second car pulls up, I'm losing my mind. I don't remember nothing either. I'm scared to death. My heart's in my throat. Even when I it's me and I'm legal, I'm scared to it's death. It's traumatizing. It is traumatizing. People don't leave from those situations. So. Police take advantage of that fear and that thought. And so they ramrod you. And at the end of the day, you, you know, you give them everything you think just to get them out of your situation. And then next thing they know, they pull your glove box open when they shouldn't even have been in there and find a gun and bang. You're a felon. And so I'm not condoning carrying a firearm illegally, but I'm realistically knowing that the young people are. But that doesn't mean you get to violate their rights. That's where I'm at. You don't get to violate their rights because you suspect something. There was another young man who was seen carrying a firearm, open carry. Mm -hmm. He got into a vehicle. The police pulled one of these, those follow you until mm -hmm. you do whatever the case is, and then pulled him over. And their reason for searching the car was, we seen you get in the car with a gun, open carry. That's not illegal. You don't get to run my name to find out if I have a CPO. Just because you see me get in a car with a gun doesn't mean anything. I can get in a car with an AR right now, sit down. That does not give you the right to search my vehicle. 
you have no probable cause to believe that I don't have a CPL. So this is what I'm saying. This, this is the, this is these type of stops are illegal in the very first beginning. And so the problem is when they flood the court system with all these CCWs and then they throw a little something. Cause remember I said, they follow them until they turn a corner too fast. And now they have a reason to pull them over. Mm-hmm. And then everything else becomes questions. Where are you coming from? Where are you going? Yada, yada. But they're not even doing the questionnaire part. These kids are talking about, they're just flicking them, yanking them out the car, searching the vehicle without saying anything, finding whatever they want to find. And then they're charging them with it. And then now it's for these kids who are getting court appointed attorneys that nobody can, the court appointed attorneys. I know a situation right now. It's fully illegal. They put them on for absolutely no reason. And a court appointed attorney told them we're going to, we're working on a plea bill, plea deal. And the young man, and the young man through conversation with me told the dude, I'm not playing in nothing. They pulled me over for no reason. They should have never searched my vehicle. He had to present that conversation to a lawyer who should know this and should be in the game to fix and, 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 and defend. Not to just get a plea deal and get this off my books. You're talking had to have the conversation. Sometimes they're having to argue with their lawyer to get their lawyer to argue for them. That's a huge yes, issue. Exactly. You're already behind the mark because the lawyer now is in a position where they already feel like this could be something easy. We could just hurry up and get this done. The least amount of work because they're overworked. Yeah. They're overloaded. Think about the last time I was in court with some mm-hmm. young men about this and mm-hmm. Uh, they tried to do the same thing. My, my, my nephew, no, no, no biases here when I say this, but my nephew had an older white lady as a lawyer. She might've been in her sixties or something like that. And, um, I remember going into the, the room with him and she was like at mad at him. He wouldn't take a plea. She was like, well, I don't understand it. You know, you could get two to five for this gun and yada, yada, yada. And my nephew kept saying, but why did they, I wasn't even in a car. They found the gun in the car, but I wasn't even in it. And they pulled us over for it. Was like, it was like all these weird interactional things that I was like, I was looking at this lawyer and I was sitting in the office with him. I was like, why are you so mad? Like, why are you angry? And so the only thing that saved him was he had a co-defendant in it. And the co-defendant was a young, I don't want to sound biased, but it matters. It was a young black woman who was the co-defendant's lawyer, who when she seen the information was like, don't plead to nothing. Like literally came out of the office from him seeing his lawyer and that lawyer was mad at him. Like, I'm just going to go in here and then we'll figure it out. Like she was mad. She got from the table and I was like, yo, why are you so mad? I was, I'm so happy I was there. My nephew was just confused. Like, I don't even know what to, so we got out of the room. She left to go talk to the prosecuting attorney and like turned down a plea and she was all pissed off. And the other attorney was like, standing in the hallway and when we came out i said something to her i was like i don't understand why the woman just got mad because they want to take a plea she's like plea did she pull the body cam footage did she find out why they pulled him she started asking me all these questions i was like no 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 she's like don't plead to nothing i will take care of this i'll talk to her i'll take care of it don't plead to nothing this is gonna get thrown out and lo and behold out of there because she just asked for the stuff didn't even get it she just asked for the body camera footage and all the information they know was on it yeah, they know they was fraudulent. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. This, These young men are getting pulled into these situations without proper representation and people that are lazy or they can have biases and don't care. They feel like they're doing a good thing. I'm taking a gun and a kid that would have used the gun bad off the streets. That's not true every time. It's not true ever. So like ultimately, uh, Love Jones asked a question. She yeah, said, so are you stating that the police aren't helping in Lansing but instead harassing? I just want to make sure I'm comp- comprehending. Thank you. Yes, that is exactly what I'm saying. They're not helping, they're harassing. That's it. And the job that we're asking them to do, like catch murderers, they're not doing. But they're spending all of their time doing, turning young people into criminals. 
throwing cases on them fraudulently so that they're in the system now. And this is just that's just the goal. That's the, that's well, what's going we've on. We've talked about it before, where we've talked about them casting this wide net. We have to understand and we have to think about what we mean by helping. Um, being completely fully honest, very rarely in the current times right now, and even in our city, police, are police ever helping? <laughs> oh, you know? I felt like that's How'd what you know was I was going to say. I, I just felt like that's what was going police on. inherently escalate situations. Period. We know this, and that is not to say that police aren't needed in certain situations that are violent, etc., whatever it is that you would make the case for that. But when you are doing what constitutes a stop and frisk, which is that's ultimately what this looks like, feels like, and ends up being, that's what that is. That is harassment. So people want to justify the ends to say, well, they did find this. You're going down a, a really, really, really dangerous rabbit hole. We're talking about constitutional rights being violated. Uh, we're also talking about uh, whether or not we know what would have happened in the future with that person when we have no clue. Right. That is why laws and law and order exist. They're not following that right now. They're basically and, doing stop and frisk, and then they're lying to produce yeah. reasons why they're stopping and frisking. And we're not the Finding only ones who know later. it. People in those areas know it, too. Mm -hmm. People in the prosecutor's office know it, but it's too much to siphon through to find where the issue is. Like, what do I believe that this cop did it? Do I believe this cop lied on this situation? Or, you know, so it's like it, it's they're overwhelming the prosecutor's office with all of this BS. That's what they're doing. And, yeah. and so they can't even siphon through like we have to anecdotally say, hey, this kid or this person had this issue, pull everything up. But lawyers have to do that. And they're not because it's public defenders and they just want this case off their books. And what's two to five on a kid that, hey, man, they're, they're pleading. They're pleading to you that, you know, you won't get any jail time, but they're not telling them about the felony and how much you would rather get. Jail. I would rather do five years. And I wouldn't not shouldn't say that. I would rather do the two years and not have a felony, because if I had caught a felony as a young man, my life would have been ruined up to this point. Yeah, you got. I mean, there's the all impact. the things I've been able to come out of. Like all the issues that I was able to get behind me because I didn't have a felony, I would have never been able to get behind me. I would have I been because I was very, the game was very accessible to me. I would have dove dead into it. There's no question if I had a felony. If I couldn't have went and got the job I got at 19, you know, and, and did all the things that I was able to do, I would have dove dead into it because I was still halfway in it. So it's like if I didn't have that opportunity, oh, I would have been gone. This is why it's so important to me to stop young people from catching felonies for stuff like that, because I know how it can change their life, like completely. Well, we remove a lot of opportunity. And again, we're, we're this is just the whole punitive society. Like we are just so much more about punitive and punishment. And, and we know that that is not something that is impactful in any kind of positive way. Loretta Duckett Freeman came in and said, I think I'd be fine without the cops. When people hear things like that or they read things like that, it creates a very visceral reaction in them. Um, but we have to be very honest with ourselves and thinking about, you know, policing in the current state of policing and even policing in Lansing. You know, we're going to be bringing Oprah Revish, candidate for second ward city council on here real soon here. Did you want to read this or? Mm, yeah, let me look for it. I'll read it. Okay. All good. You already so, had it up. I know, but it's usually your thing. So I thought that you were just going to do it. It's okay. We had an argument, babe. We got through it. It's okay. That is not an argument. <laughs> so anyway, so right now we're going to bring on Oprah Revish, candidate for second ward city council. Uh, Oprah Revish goes by she, her, hers as pronouns, loves Lansing and believes we can do better. It won't be easy. And she is up for the task of doing what needs to be done. So all second ward citizens can thrive. 
Uh, we do not have uh, scarce resources. We have priorities that do not center marginalized people. Oprah has worked in education since 2009. Currently, she serves LGBTQA plus students at Michigan State University. We are the heroes we have been waiting for. I like that. No one person has all the answers, but together we have the answers. Uh, she has a website that we will be showing. Also, a Facebook page. Uh, vote Oprah Revish uh, for city council. So, Oprah, welcome. Welcome. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Good. How's it feel? Everything this comfortable? Is wild. Yeah. I can hear my own voice. Is yeah. That cool? Get yeah. comfortable. We yeah. can. I think we can hear you. Let's do it. Let's do a sound check. Can all the people hear her? If Give you us can. a thumbs up. Sound check. Uh, yeah, yeah. Check one, yeah. two, three. Yeah. Perfect. There check we one, go. Two. Check one, two. Good. Okay. So, awesome. Oprah. Thank you, you for having me. Yes, thank you for coming. Um, we uh, are happy and delighted to have you on. I was very impressed with you at uh, BLM's uh, town hall. And thank as you. I've seen you talk since. Uh, so, what's been up? Uh, I think the first question we always ask is, who, are, who is Oprah? Like, what, what, what do we Tell know? Tell us a little bit about need to know about Oprah. Um, I was raised in California. All Southern California cities. Oh, wow. um, Los Angeles, just all over Hawthorne, Inglewood. Um, let's see. I love education. I love talking to folks about tough, challenging topics like the police, mm. like racism, mm. like transphobia. Um, in my current job at Michigan State, that's what I do. Mm. Like I talk mm. to people about uh, how to be more inclusive of trans folks, how to be more inclusive of uh, anyone in the LGBTQ community. But specifically, we talk about trans folks a lot. Um, yeah. And so I, I enjoy I, Enjoy might be pushing pushing it. Yeah. Um, I well, do, something you wish you didn't have to do. I yeah, imagine. like I I'm of the mindset that you know I can work myself out of a job. Yeah, mm. like I want folks to be so loving, so yeah. open, so caring that I don't have to go to their offices and talk yes. to them about yeah. inclusion. Don't have that. Conversation. Do you get yeah. asked to go to their office, or is it like they have to come to the principal's office, but you go there? No, they there's a lot of offices that reach out to us directly. That's good. Um, and then there are some that. You know, I'll never get to meet. Yeah, um, that's yeah. a problem in corporate world is that they don't usually realize they have the issue until after they've sued and everything's going yeah. down. And then they still don't handle it correctly. Like accountability is really hard. I actually had a conversation with with Nick Tate when I was going through my issue at the city mm -hmm. about that. And I said, I've been here, you know, this has been almost a year and a half. I've been dealing with all this and I've come down here to you over and over and over again. And then they come to my I didn't realize this. My psychologist told me, you know, she was like, this is kind of what they do. Like, it's always that story. Like, people mm -hmm. go down here, they complain, they tell them about it, tell them about it until finally they realize they're not going to get any change. And they say, right. you know, they have to go sue. And I was telling, I told him this. I said, I've been here every day. You're not doing anything about this. I said, this is usually how, like, a Michigan state ends up on the media because mm -hmm. they didn't deal with Nassar after he was been told on and told on and told on. Mm -hmm. And he said, he said to me, you got to do what you got to do. Wow. And so that's a, th now afterwards, now it's cut forward. Now that was back in 2019, cut forward. Now we've had MIDAC, which has, you know, a, a mayor appointed uh, uh, um, advisory yeah. board to look into racism. Then we had the mm -hmm. Alliance and now they've hired MPHI to do all of these things happen. You could have did all that before eight lawsuits came. Yeah. You know and what I'm saying? prevented those. From right. Ever having it would have definitely prevented because exactly. then you'd have known the issue and you could have been attacking the issue and we would have all been happy with, with that progress. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I I mean, anybody who does reach out for that help and tries to find that is uh, that's good. Because it's hard work. It's it hard. is hard work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, I'm very interested in meeting people where they're at. Mm. So trying to mm. figure out 
what are the barriers to your inclusion? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what what makes you wake up in the morning and say, you know, I want to be racist or yeah. I want to be transphobic? Yeah. Um, and how can I get there to you and then bring you to where I want you to be? Yeah. Like, bring you to where you can be. Yeah. Um, for folks with a lot of privilege, you know, the talking frankly about transphobia, talking frankly about racism mm-hmm. makes them very like on edge like mm. you talked about before like it defensive. they get a visceral reaction they get defensive mm-hmm. i've had people yell at me i've had people cry in my face um tell me that i'm terrible mm. uh for telling them like hey have you thought about doing this mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. um i had a similar reaction today actually i had a similar yeah. reaction I, I mean i was upset but it's because i didn't know mm-hmm. and as i got the information it was like okay i can see that because it's yeah. always impact verse Intent, intent versus impact. Yeah, intent yeah. versus impact. And it, sometimes I had to take a bite of my own medicine. Like, okay, I get mm-hmm. this. Because when it was done to me, I didn't care about what somebody's intent was. It was how it impacted me. Right. And so that's that's it. Yeah, so that that's important for that process. Putting that tools into practice is really, really important. And it's yeah. really hard. It yeah. can yeah. be really hard, especially I think it, it was the carrier, good. too. It was the, it was the person who I told gonna, me. If anybody else that. had to call me, but. See, that's another thing, too. So I'm a black queer woman. Mm. Um, I'm also big and beautiful. And so when I say something, you know, it hits different mm-hmm. than when my white coworkers say something. Mm. So there are times when we will um, say, okay, I'll say, I'll have an idea and I'll say, you say this. Yeah. Like, because I actually want this to happen. You want it to be done. And I don't want that person sitting across the table from us to go, yeah. well, I'm just going to throw her idea out just because. Yeah. yeah. And that's that coalition building mm. and like building real genuine relationships with people. Yeah. Mm. Um, it wasn't that, you know, I- I'm mad at my white coworker for being able to like <laughs> say whatever they want to yeah. say. It's how can we get this thing done because mm. it's necessary? Yeah. Um, because it's going to change lives. Mm-hmm. Um, because people are dying. Yeah. And, and we need, I, I need people to live. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And you, y'all touched on something else around policing. I was, y'all, I was over there listening. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, and watching. Um, so, yeah. Uh, one of the things that, you know, I've gotten called out for during this campaign time is my stance on divesting from the police, mm-hmm. investing in our community. Um, and I don't say defund. Mm-hmm. Um because I think that there are pieces that can stay. Like when something bad happens, mm-hmm. I want to be able to call someone for I help. I agree. I agree. Like I understand that. Yeah. Um. And and it's really scary to think like who do I call upon mm-hmm. when something's going down. Um. And I know why people get jarred. Mm-hmm. I know why people get confused by by that. Mm-hmm. And there are pieces of policing that we just don't need mm-hmm. that we can get rid of. Um. I think that we can expand our understanding of what public safety is from this reactive stuff, you know, mm-hmm. like something bad happens and a bunch of people descend on an area mm-hmm. while they're leaving that black and brown area, they're, mm-hmm. you know, stopping cars or they're looking inside windows and doing weird mm-hmm. stuff, right? And we can move to be proactive. Mm-hmm. So there's plenty of research yeah. that says, this is how crime goes down. Yeah. This is how we actually give people resources mm-hmm. um, and combat the like the historical and present day oppression that causes for areas to be the way that they are, right. mm-hmm. um, to have higher crime rates and that sort of thing. So instead of being proactive, we put more money into being reactive, mm-hmm. into further criminalizing people. Like right. that doesn't make sense to no. me. That's what's happening right now. Yeah. Yes, literally. You know, we just got those, uh, that five new police officers yeah. to be hired. Um, it's and, and the community is saying what they want. Mm-hmm. Like people are saying, please don't do this anymore. Yeah. Like, can't, can't we do something different? Right. And the local government is like, no. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. I'm running because I don't want to say I want to do what people want to do. That was my next question to you. Yeah. What, what made yeah. you say of all the things you do? Because you work with the Silas Center, too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So all, with all the things you do, like everybody asked me, and I hear this all the time. Like somebody actually got on my Facebook the other day or yesterday and was like, well, you do all of this complaining and all of this. Why don't you run? Mm. And it's because I do do all of those things. And I think I'm more effective out here than in there. And there's mm -hmm. there's somebody that's probably could do better at that than me. But also, you know, I, we talked about the other reasons. I, I don't deal with the shade very well. And being an elected official, you're yeah. going to get some shade. And I don't so want to deal shade. with that. You know, like we talked about that. Mm -hmm. But what made you say, I'm going to put all of the worry out and I'm going to get in this race and I'm going to get Jump in this fight? In. Gosh, my value system. So um, all the strengths quest things and, and, you know, you take the little quiz yeah. and get your results and all that. Um, I have a very strong value system, humans first, humanity mm. first. Yeah. Um, and I knew that I would, I don't know, wake up four years from now and be like, oh, I should have done something. Should have did something. You know, and I, I sit around, me and my community, we talk about, oh, wouldn't it be great if, what if this, what if that? Yeah. Um, and dreaming is great. Mm -hmm. Like, I love dreaming. Gets me up in the morning. Yeah. Um, and what if we started working towards that yeah. given the systems that we have and and i appreciate y'all having this um platform i appreciate the work that y'all do the things that you highlight and i think it takes all kinds mm -hmm. um i think everybody can find their lane and figure out what works best for them mm -hmm. um, maybe you're not at the front of the protest but you're back there handing out water yeah you know yeah um and that's what i want for everyone is to find where you can do the work yeah. and then do the work there absolutely you're the second person today that has said something like that I found my space mm -hmm. in this, but I knew that I needed to find a space. Yeah. The un the only unacceptable thing right now is to be doing nothing. Right. And they said, like, I just had to find what I felt comfortable with and what I could do from mm -hmm. where I'm at. And I thought that was so, I was like, yes. Yeah. Uh, I really like that. And I'm not super comfy. Like, <laughs> I don't want you to think, like, that I'm loving this. Yeah. Um, it's I'm tough. incredibly <laughs> private. Yeah, And that's so hard, when man. things are just, like, out there, I yeah. go, Okay. Speaking of which, uh, we Deep talked breath. about we talked about just before we came on the show how the, the city pulse again went super mm -hmm. bush league and went and dug into everybody's you know records of judge court rec records and all of these different yeah. things. And you had pointed out to me that there was some records that weren't found. Did you want to? <laughs> did you want to touch on that and bring that to light? I mean, this is oh, the perfect place for. Them. But they um, went into you. They went into they everybody. Did. Yeah, they did. And they brought out some things that may or may not have been important to the situation, but left yeah. out yeah. some things that probably were very important. I mean, when folks are uh, putting stuff together, putting their articles together, sharing that information, um, you, there's always bias. I think mm -hmm. that bias always shows up. Mm -hmm. um, and it takes a very intentional, like very intentional actions to actually, you know, push your bias away like yeah. you actually have to name it yeah um and there's research that shows like once you name a bias in a situation it drops like 70 percent wow um just by saying wow have you thought about that. hiring black people mm. you know and then the white folks in the room go oh no and then yeah right <laughs> yeah. And now so then i it am drops. thinking about it now i I'm did about i it. did but my answer was no that's really yeah. kind of how it goes sometimes <laughs> right but now that so, you're questioning it yeah so i think that when folks are you know sitting at their computers they got a deadline 
um, and they're clacking away, you know. Maybe I think, they get lazy? I think their bias shows up. Yeah. I think they, they might spend more attention on one person. I know or, I can find and less something on others. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, less on other that's folks. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a good way to so put that it. So that was a real smooth way of getting out of that question. I like that. See, this is how it works, Oprah. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. 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 You don't want to say exactly. Um, so, so Jen was like, that article was ridiculous, so skewed and so narrow in its focus. I thought yeah. the same thing, Jen. I it wasn't. Was this wasn't the first time they did that. They did that with Dan Ross, who ran for at large uh, four years ago. Mm. And they dug into his whole history and put all this stuff out there. And I thought, I loved it, though. I was like, Dan, just use that as a rocket. You came from where you came from. Me and Dan used to be on the block together. And I understand what the environment he came from and the person he is today. Yo, that's 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 exceptional. Yeah. And let's rock with yeah. it. You know what I'm saying? They I just tried don't to think shame him they try to shame him with it. But right. it was like, that's not shameful. That's what, that's what made me who I am. So sometimes you have to take their stick away, as my psychologist mm-hmm. always tell me. That's what they try to use as the stick. Yeah. Take it away. I'm not going to let you use that against me. You right. know? So I learned from my mistakes and I'm here today and this is what I'm here. Right. This is what I'm here to do. But if they don't even wield the stick against others, that's where the bias is. Mm-hmm. Now, that was that yes. was where the bias comes in for me is you didn't even wield the stick against that's others. That's the inequitable. But City Pulse basically. never makes sense to me on how they report on things. Like one time you think they're really biased towards somebody. Mm-hmm. And then the next week they bash them all to hell. It's like, what? The, <laughs> where did that come from? Like, so anyways, I, it's, it's just I, it's, it's, it's inconsistent because they have no vision. They just do whatever will they think will get a paper not even sold because they're not even selling them. It's like just picked up. Yeah, I think that's the hard. But part. they did, they did, um, they did endorse you, didn't they? They did endorse they me. Did. So that's that's yeah. good. That's good. Yeah. I don't know what it means, but it's good. At least that that was out there. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah. I didn't even know it was a possibility. Yeah. I appreciated um, it. That is good. Yeah. And what I what they wrote, I was like, made sense. Hmm, yeah. I can, okay. Yeah. yeah. Like we like her enough, um, yeah. even though we don't like this police thing. Yes. Yeah. But that we still was, like her. I yeah. was like. I'll, I'll take, take it. it. <laughs> yeah. So you made a really good point about the policing issue and defund. And I, mm-hmm. I want to touch on that because I said something about this in the last show. And everybody has this, the hang up on defund. And we talked about this earlier about where BLM lands and how BLM will move in what we want to see, even if it takes mm-hmm. forever. We will move that way That's today. It's not going to be like we're going to let right. people slow slow bite us to mm-hmm. okay well we'll give you this part of it no we want this the whole what has thing. to be done has to be done now now yes. not not later yeah. not now so yes. the fund is one of those words that everybody's like oh well and i get it but the thing is mm-hmm. uh like what you said there's certain parts of policing that you need and i touched on that on the last show mm-hmm. and the aspect when I, I said on the show is like if somebody breaks in your house steals all your stuff Mm-hmm. And you have insurance. You can't just call the insurance company right. to get all your stuff replaced. You have to have a police report. Mm-hmm. We are not we are not ordained with that with that ability to write a report and right. investigate and all. So there is things that we want the police to have to do. They got to because yeah. of the current systems in place. Investigations is one of them. Yeah, you know. So that's I want the people thing. to investigate things that happen. And we paid fifty million dollars for them to do that. And right. that's what we're realizing today is not happening they're not investigating anything it's just like and it's been told by me to me by several people that they've been told directly by officers that like they'll they'll weed each other out type Mm -hmm. thing and this is like Mm -hmm. it's crazy and it sounds very crazy that somebody was told that by an officer Mm -hmm. but i believe them i believe them i believe it because i haven't heard it from just one person it's multiple people who have had conversations with police officers like well they'll just weed themselves out and i believe that they're saying that and so the defund police issue that we're having right now that I'm sure you heard us earlier talking about is it's like the, the narrative around the police department is that, oh, y'all want to defund us? Then deal with it. Deal with your issues out here. Mm-hmm. 
And that's just so sad. It's scary. Like, y'all it swore an oath to the community. No yeah. matter what, we saying you do your job. You come here for 10 right. hours, 8 hours a day. Especially since you've already been paid. Right. Yeah. And there aren't... I'm hard-pressed to think of other, like, professions where you can have that attitude. Yes. Um, oh, you don't like us? Well, I just won't do anything for you. Yeah. Um, where it's like, what if you actually thought... What if you were in the business, police were in the business of putting themselves out of work, mm. right? Like do, being so proactive in the community that they that crime doesn't have to happen because people have jobs, people have a place to live, mm. kids are fed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what if people were making a living wage? Yeah, like moving from just surviving, keeping your head above water, to actually thriving. Yeah, like you're actually living a life that you want to live right. and not the one that you are stuck in Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. of systems of oppression right um we know that zip codes Mm -hmm. tell you more about the trajectory of a young person's life or 910 right yeah than than anything else in your life and 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 what if we actually targeted that what if we centered the most marginalized folks equity yeah yeah they don't know what that means no um folks really think equity means i'm gonna go into a white person's house and take food off their plate Mm -mm. and go take it to somebody else And it's like no one is actually going to come and attack you and take your stuff away. Right. What we're actually going to do is make sure that when folks want to get out of the um, the criminal justice system, mm-hmm. that they actually can, mm-hmm. that they're not in there because they're poor. Right. Mm-hmm. You that's know, it. like that's what creating that's systems equity. that Create. help people that yeah that have the deficiencies. Ripping that stuff apart. Yeah. Let us rise from the ashes like the phoenix. Yeah. Yes. And let's figure this out like. And, and it has to be done now. We yeah. have to do the work now. Yeah. And do you think that the motivation from the movement is a now situation? We understand that it's been so long. But is there a sense of urgency because of the movement right now? For Did you think that this is like it right here? Like if we don't catch this, this the wave, time. then we may set back for, you know, years and years and years yeah. again. And we don't want to ever have to have another George Floyd, although it's right. happened even since George. Right. Uh, and found out we found out later that it had even happened here in Lansing a month before George Floyd. Mm. But do you feel like the movement is, is is putting a lot of emphasis on today right now? Yeah, I think there's a an emergency yeah. like mm. moment right now. Um, you can feel it like you can feel that there is a sense of urgency around making moves that are like real moves. Mm-hmm. Not this reform stuff, not more training. Mm-hmm. Um, folks have been trained. Folks don't care. Yeah. Um, and I think the other thing is, like, we say, oh, there's a system. There's a system of oppression. There's, mm-hmm. you know, policies and procedures that keep people in their jobs after they've done something terrible mm-hmm. and continue to do those terrible things. And we end up having different conversations mm-hmm. because um, I've done, I did a training around racism. And I didn't even say, you know, the police do whatever, whatever. We showed a video of um, a black father talking to his son around like, hey, if a police officer, you know, says this, just get yeah, the conversation. Right. Just get home. Mm-hmm. Like and, and it was that piece that black family lived two blocks away from a white family. And the the way that the interview was set up, they didn't talk to the white father, white kid. And the white father was like, I've never had a, we never talked about that. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't make sense. I, I I didn't even know that was a conversation that people had, mm-hmm. you know? And so we show that video, video, you know, stops, um, lights come up in the room and we start, you know, asking the, the participants, like, how did that feel? What, what are you taking away? Um, young white girl starts crying. Mm. My father is a police officer. 
how dare you? Oh wow! You know, I, that was say totally that. different than I thought what she was going to say. Yeah, no. me too. I thought, empathy, I thought empathy crept up her back. Nope, nope, nope. Um, how dare you say this? Um, you're tr- you're making people hate police officers. Like all these different things. I said first of all, I didn't say anything. Wow, that I showed was your a video own eyes that of, Yeah, I showed a video of a father lamenting the fact that his child can't be free, mm. and that he has to have this conversation with a ten year old. You know, um, and and that's what we just watched. And so there are different stories. And and she and I followed up a- afterward. Um, and I said, you know, there's different worlds that we live in. Mm-hmm. So you're in this world mm-hmm. and I'm in another one. And my experience, um, the experience of other folks is just as valid and just as real as yours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, no, there, there's no systems. I, I kept saying there's a system of oppression. I was like, and she said, there's no systems. I said, yes, there actually is, though. Um, and we're having two different conversations because you're you're down on the like um, interpersonal level. Mm-hmm. You're saying my father great man Mm -hmm. um, my uncles Mm -hmm. you know like people in your life directly Mm -hmm. are great people and they're police officers and i love them sure to Mm -hmm. you to you because that's that's christmases and thanksgivings and all the things that you love Mm -hmm. about them in your life Mm -hmm. we're talking about a system right which is up here Mm -hmm. that if your father killed someone just because he felt like it he would never see the inside of a courtroom right Mm. that's the system we're talking about um but she couldn't hear that um, and a lot of people can't, right? Like there are a lot of folks that are like, no, my, my uncle's a police officer, great man. Sure, maybe, I don't know him. Yeah. Um, that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, that's here, not though. what we're talking about. We're talking about how there are so many people saying that they are not safe. Yeah. That they how can it be, fear for their lives. How can it be a lie? How can it be wrong? Right, and you're saying that doesn't matter. Yeah, isn't that white supremacy? Yeah, uh, I'm gonna white supremacy, you- patriarchy, sexism, transphobia. I'm going to ask you a question that I, I heard yesterday asked, and it really put this person in an uncomfortable position, right? <laughs> Do you believe that all white people are inherently racist? Michael. It's okay to say no. So, it's okay to answer however you feel. So I'm going I'm to answer it honestly, and then I hope whoever is a white person listening doesn't just like immediately run away because I'm going to tell you the whole thing. Okay, so if racism is about um, power and uh, it's, it's a system. Mm-hmm. So it's like, here's, yeah. you have to have power, you have to have the privileges and all that stuff. And it's in this context. Let's talk about American context. Yeah. So you can just say, whatever. All, go ahead, go ahead. I think, I, like, I think you're about to get to it. So all white people, every single one of them, poor white people, rich white people, all, everybody, benefits from the racist system. So you get pulled over less, you uh, get the benefit of the doubt in situations. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't necessarily fear the police. Like there's sure there's individuals who might have a background, whatever. Um, but statistically, you will go home at yeah. the end of the day if mm-hmm. you interact with a police officer. Mm-hmm. Um, so every white person does benefit from a racist system. So every white person is racist. I, is, I I can well, I couldn't agree more. It's in data that supported. It's yeah. not yeah. a it's not about the feeling that it invokes. It's yeah. not right. about how it makes you feel, and it's not personal. I think that pe- that's lost on people. Yeah, this yeah. has nothing to do with who you know. Mm-hmm. I know some of the greatest white folks Absolutely. on earth. Absolutely, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. But that doesn't mean that they're not part of, and this is data driven as well in Lansing, that they're not part of the what was it, fifty nine percent of. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> 
58% of the white yeah. folks in Lansing that have never been stopped by police officers in the mm-hmm. city. So we have to remember and that these are things that exist. There and was another percentage in that article that said they don't believe, oh, they don't believe there's a problem with policing or they, they think that, you know, other people are treated differently, yeah. but they don't actually think that there's like an issue issue. Yeah. Almost every, so this was a survey that was done um, yeah. and this survey was conducted by the city of Lansing and it showed that most residents are satisfied with the performance of the LPD, mm-hmm. despite many believing that police behavior is often racist. So let's be right. clear. Let's be clear. <laughs> I think so. that anti-racist white folks understand this concept mm-hmm. yes. and won't have a problem with you have saying what you right. said. And those are the white folks that will vote for me. Exactly. The they, other ones wasn't go, going to They were never going to end. They were never going to anyway. anyway. So right. the ultimate point is, aside from the election, you're on here being Oprah and you're being real mm-hmm. and you're talking about from experience of your own profession. Yeah. And so the reason why I asked that question, because I seen a TikTok yesterday and TikTok is amazing. I go. learned so much. No, but listen, the guy asked dope. this question. Yeah. I, they, or actually, a white woman asked this question of a black man mm-hmm. on an interview and she popped him with it. And it I was thought attacking. it was it was yeah. it wasn't it wasn't attacking. She just asked the question yeah, I, I because of the context behind it. I know what y'all talking and about. And he started to say exactly what you just said. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I got done hearing it, it made me feel more comfortable to say what I've always known. Mm-hmm. I was at work one time and I, not at work. I was back when I was working at the department, me and a bunch of my buddies, black, black men from the department went to a, uh, a bar and we was chilling out, hanging out. And I made this comment. I said, yo, like all white people are inherently racist. And they was like, what you really believe that all white people are racist? I didn't say that all white. I said, they're all inherently racist. And what I mean by that is you don't really know. This is where we talk about accomplice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and like you don't really While we know talk about anti-racism yeah. versus just like, oh, you're a good person. Yeah, yeah. we don't yeah. know. You don't know. And so with this TikTok, what the guy actually ended up explaining, he was like, first of all, like the origin of Europeans and where they come over in every area they're at. And he was talking about like Portugal speak Portuguese. There are like people in these areas, not Portugal, but people in Brazil mm-hmm. speak Portuguese and people in. Uh, you know, Haiti speak French or like whatever the case mm-hmm. is. Or it's like all the black people speak because they come over and they dominate in areas and there's savagery in these areas. But he was also saying that um, it, it breeds in and people are only as racist as they have to be. So if they're mm-hmm. in environments where they don't have to be racist, then they won't be. You won't ever see that out of them. Mm-hmm. But if they ever get into a position where they're suffering in the position that we are and they believe that it's because of you or it's because you might end up seeing those inherent racist traits come out. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to that and I was like, Damn, that is some real he stuff. Brought, so it like, was long. It was like a long. I wish we had it so I could play it because the explanation of it was so mm-hmm. amazing. It was like what you said, but it was more. It, it took more history into context mm-hmm. and came right. forward a lot more. Broke it but, down. But you know, it's like the thought that you know people have said like I've known this person for years, but a black person will say you know I heard them call somebody the N word, mm-hmm. and I'm like no, 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 no that person ain't racist and you can even know that that person doesn't tr- act that way or they don't mm-hmm. have that in them but they inherit the inherent biases and the inherent racism like that stuff comes out sometimes mm-hmm. when it needs to and they're not in an environment that it needs to come out you know they're comfortable they're living well mm-hmm. you know they're ha- they have everything served to them and everything not say served but they have everything they need food shelter car house those type of jobs you know all mm-hmm. that type of stuff there's no reason. So that's what another thing he said is I don't understand where the racism comes from. In America today, white people are taken care of. They have everything they need. Privileges all mm-hmm. there. And not just privilege by way of you know material things, but the privilege, like you said, that they don't have to worry about getting pulled over the and killed. The absence of fear. The mm-hmm. absence of all of that. What still makes you hate us? 
that's the inherent that's the inherent because racism. Because we want to be free too. Yeah, and that's the inherent race. That's racism. Yeah. Why would you feel that way about another people that has nothing to do with your living? Yeah. We're the ones still suffering, still down, still oppressed, and you mm-hmm. hate the fact, like you know, that that we, you know, that want, want just want to be equal to those things. And, I, and that's why I say, like See, across the board, I don't even think I, I don't think about like equal. Yeah. I, I want to be free. Yeah, just like, have whatever it is. That I you... want to walk around the store and not feel any type of fear yeah. or like um, I have been in a store before and, you know, grabbed an item and, you know, you walk around for a little a little too long in my head. And I'm like, oh, let me make sure that I keep this item out. Yeah. And I don't just like accidentally. Let me not reach in my pocket. Yeah. Put, rip, go in my pocket a little too long. And somebody yes. thinks that I'm stuffing something in my like these are thoughts that white folks don't have to have yeah. because they're not getting followed around stores yeah. um, and getting watched and or getting walking asked. through the beep thing. Every time I go yeah. through this thing, I'm, I'm nervous. The thing that Literally. like said, yeah. And it's like, you know, if I walk through with a bag, I just walked from the register and paid for mm-hmm. it and she could watch me walk out. I'm still nervous that it's going to beep. Mm-hmm. And then I got to stand there looking all uncomfortable and had them come check my bag. That's feelings. I don't think too many people, you know, if you're not yeah. a person of color, you don't understand those thought processes. No, no, yeah. we live in completely different worlds. Yeah. Um, and I think that the thing that I try to talk to folks about is like, yeah, like this stuff isn't new. Like folks have been talking about, you know, anti-racism, yeah. liberation, mm-hmm. justice yeah. forever. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were being ripped over here, mm-hmm. folks were fighting back. Like we didn't just come over here to hang out. Right. Um, there's always been resistance. Mm-hmm. And I think that folks really want to be ahistorical um, mm-hmm. because that alleviates their guilt, yes. mm-hmm. right? Yes. Because they can say things like, oh, you know, I used to be poor. You know, I, 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 I didn't no have money. Somehow that levels of Yeah, somehow that's the same as like a history of oppression yeah. at every turn. Yeah, um, today, still. Now. Today, right? Yeah. His- historically and presently. Yeah folks are being oppressed yeah. like there's there's laws coming out to make sure black people can't vote yeah mm-hmm. that's not happening i always to try people. to make that distinction of today because history always tells people past present yeah. like not not present or going like it's always like when we hear since history it's always people like oh mm-hmm. it's before no it's present yeah. it's now today we're making history every right day now. and then every when day. we wake up tomorrow it's going to be today too right yes and every day it's going to be today exactly right. so the, the day that they passed the voter suppression laws in georgia that was history mm-hmm. yeah. so we keep acting like it was so long ago right. and it's so, so far removed it's not 40 years from now with that being passed folks will go oh why don't black people vote or mm. why don't we have such a turnout or whatever mm. And folks will go, well, you remember this thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Just like we're doing now yeah. right. to draw back on why things are the way they are mm-hmm. now, you know, because we know historically all of these things affect everything that happened right. today. But people, hence the argument with the whole critical race theory. Mm-hmm. That's literally where the argument comes in is because you're teaching this. And it's like, no, it's truth and transparency as to what's already taking place. Right. Because nothing can be changed unless we face it. Yeah. Exactly. Like, yes. And, 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 and we have to not be afraid. There, there are folks that really believe that their privilege and power will be taken away. Nice. Um, there's more than enough. Like yeah. we are not, we don't, we're not scarce for resources, but that's something that uh, patriarchy, white supremacy will, has taught us that mm-hmm. we're supposed to be fighting each other yeah. for the little scraps. Mm-hmm. They still make that happen Crumbs. though too. Like this is what's happening in the nonprofit world in the city. Like right now mm-hmm. it's that they throw like this lump of coal on the, on the, on the mm-hmm. table and then they want to watch us all fight over it. And this is what's right. happening. And I try to tell, I'm just like, I'm going to take myself out of that equation. 
I'm just not going to ask them for nothing. But I want you to pay back the money that's ours, mm -hmm. but you can give it everywhere else. I know it ain't coming to us, but just give it everywhere else. I'm not going to fight over it. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of how to, like the stance that I had to take with it all uh, because I just got tired of the infighting. It's just so much. And yeah. that, we're new to the nonprofit world, so this is all very crazy to me to know. <laughs> yeah. like, that's you why learn a lot about it's important people. for us to build relationships here Yeah, because like mm. white supremacy, patriarchy, all the things, like they benefit from us fighting yeah. from mm -hmm. us thinking that i gotta take your stuff yeah because mm -hmm. you got too much or yeah. whatever and all the while they just continue to accumulate mm -hmm. yeah. like the folks and in power more yeah. and hoard more and more power more and more financial resources yeah. um folks have really been upset with me around this divesting from the police but that's 46 million dollars mm -hmm. right and and they're asking for more they're trying mm -hmm. to get to 50 million mm -hmm. and what if we took that um I went and I met with the Michigan Education Association mm -hmm. um, and we talked about, you know, the fact that the city pays for police officers to be in the schools. Mm -hmm. So like uniformed police officers, mm -hmm. um, which is dangerous, mm -hmm. which is dangerous. Yeah. Right. Um, I've heard stories about them just being bullies around yeah. with mm -hmm. the the bully kids. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. they'll find those kids and be like, huh, huh, huh. Mm -hmm. And then like mess with other kids. Right. Or, um, or why another aspect. Think, yeah. I want to talk about that real quick, but I'll yeah. let you finish. But I'll, we won't definitely want to touch back on that. Yeah. So, like, how about like, what if we took that money? Um, I think it was nine hundred and fifty thousand mm. dollars for um, that we put to put the uniformed police officers in the yeah, schools. Nice. What if we put counselors in the schools? Yeah. Like, yeah. and that was our public safety response yeah. in, in education. Or community no. people, because we have more control over those kids than any police officer. So if there was an issue I mean, of safety, anything, shit, your mother, you know how that goes. <laughs> right. That's the easy one. Everybody, yeah. every kid, this no, is what I the know village your mom, does. Like, right? every kid right. has you know, that I know one person. Sit exactly. Down. Every yeah. kid has that one person they listen to. And so if we can find yeah. that person and place them into the schools, even if it's temporary for a couple right. weeks to get, you know, John John together or whatever the case is. I'm imagining therapy. Mm -hmm. I'm imagining therapy support groups, like folks being able to like kids being able to talk their like speak their feelings, yep. talk in groups yep. about what they're going through, mm -hmm. get yep. support from their peers. Yeah. Like if we're going to change generations mm -hmm. and like set people up for success, we have to do different things. So yeah. Royce Jones was in my office yesterday and he works at Sexton. And he does exactly that. They hired him. He was doing it voluntary at first. And then um, Pre Principal Bogan actually hired him to do exactly that. So mm -hmm. he runs like behavioral therapy to tell him how to like deal with confrontation, conflict uh, you resolution, know, conflict resolution just to conversate, nice. communication, all of that. And he's got a program, I think it's called uh, Pace Setters, where he deals with, you know, kids that need help. Like we talk about pace setting. Um, and he was talking about like a marathon and people run like a 25 mile marathon. And this guy wanted to one of the most famous runners wanted to do it under two hours. But he needed pace setters to run with him because he could, I guess mm. like he needs, to, he needs to have like a fresh pace setter to keep the pace to be able to do this. And so that's where the idea came from for him was that um, kids that are excelling, helping other kids that are having issues in a certain area. Like if you have a mm -hmm. kid that's excelling in in math, you know, have that kid ex help this other kid that's not excelling in math. And his pace setter idea was so amazing. And it's separate from the therapy aspect, but he is a, a person that's in there doing that. And mm -hmm. um, I mean, that just goes so far, especially just relationships. Like yeah. a lot of times mm. I don't want the kids in the school to have relationships with the police that are in the school. And mm. the reason I say that is because it's dangerous. And it's the same danger that I was talking about earlier when a pastor who is trusted by the community brings the police in. Like mm -hmm. you just brought the wolf into the sheep's, you know, into the sheep's den and 
everybody's like, oh, because he brought him in, they must be cool. And mm-hmm. then when they encounter them without that person there, Outside of right. the walls they of the use school. that they use that behavior in order to gain access to, you know, mm-hmm. breaking their civil rights and all of those types of mm-hmm. things. And so that's a dangerous aspect. And then secondly, with the police in the schools is the aspect of a fight happens. Right. And they don't use discretion when it comes to our kids. So a fight happens. And one of the kids accidentally swings an elbow and hits the cop in the eye. Mm. Now you have a 17-year-old kid who can be charged as an adult Mm -hmm. who has assaulted an officer because that officer that's in there is not going to use discretion. Like, you know, it wasn't intended for me. It's going to be a charge. So those are the type of things that really concern me. And then also, from what I've been told, sexual assault is a major issue amongst police in schools. Mm. And we've had that issue at Sexton or Eastern. We had an issue where a police officer had an issue with uh, yeah. a young kid there mm-hmm. and so like that's something that i mean all of those things are just bad i don't see any positive coming out of it it's too much yeah. risk in my opinion i yeah. think that when we introduce cops into schools we are criminalizing mm-hmm. young people in a space and in a place and at a time when they are not a- equipped yet right you know what i mean so we're criminalizing behavior that we they're not equipped yet to handle correctly yeah yeah and like their brains are still developing you know, up until they're like 25, 26. And oh. so you you put them in there and you make it seem like this is a part of your education um, because they're in an educational setting. Yeah. Um, when really, like, when little kids are like little, um, like four or five, you know, um, we let them run with their imagination. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, tell me your random story. Mm-hmm. Tell me your random dream. And, and it's encouraged by all, basically most of the adults in their lives, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And then there's something that switches later on where we start telling them, like, no, don't be imaginative. Don't think outside the box Mm. like this is this is real life Mm. and I need you to know real life. Mm. So, like, come on down from the clouds. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we do that to them because it was done to us. That's Mm -hmm. just what we know. Mm -hmm. Um, You got to survive. So, like, put your head down kind of thing. And like, what if we didn't like what if we continue to imagine and to create like not just oh, I think we should not have police. But like, how do we actually create a world where we don't need police? Right. Um, how do we actually move there and get there? Yeah. Um, and I don't believe that you it's You mean impossible. like Williamston? Williamston, Michigan. Yeah. 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 A world with no police. Yeah. They or got Hazlitt. one cop that doesn't patrol anywhere. It's mm-hmm. peaceful out there. I had a, an ex-Williamston councilman come on one of the posts talking about divesting or uh, defunding police. And he was like, it's really funny that you're on here complaining about the crime in the city, but then you're also asking to defund police. And that just tells me right there that you haven't done any research and don't understand whatsoever, but also that you live in Williamston. And I was thinking like, so I, I wanted him to come on the show. I told him, you know, come on the show. Let's let's have this debate, you know, because mm-hmm. I can debate with you. We can have different views. But um, and my first question was him. Was, How many police do you see a day out in Williamston where you live mm-hmm. at? I don't see police. Why? Why is mm-hmm. that you don't need police out there? Mm-hmm. What's different out there? Now, mm-hmm. there's where biases will come out because in his mind, he's saying we don't have none of y'all out there. That might be mm-hmm. why. That's that inherent racism that he probably don't even know that he's got in there. But that's the that's the moment when it popped in his head. He may not say that, but that's it. But no, wh- the reason why you don't need police out there is just like they don't need him in Holt. You got resources. Holt has no police department. It's the Ingham County Sheriff's Department that mm-hmm. patrols. And they come that through. Area. They come through that area and go all the way out to Mason and back through and. You know, just to, just kind of patrol the little area. Yeah. How is that possible? Well, maybe because they got that brand new $10, 15000000 million school out there. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got all the athletics all the way from uh, fourth grade all the way up. Mm-hmm. They got flag. They got all their, they got every resource you could actually yeah. want out there. 
So this is why you don't need police because people are, are taken care of. They have the needs and we they have basic necessities. Their basic exactly. needs their are needs being are met. So fifty million dollars could give half the city basic necessities. Mm-hmm. That could cure. I mean, if you took all the people committing the crime, equitable process and the equitable process is people that commit crime find out what resources they need in order to not commit crime anymore and fill the void. Fill the void. It will be Meet done. Meet people where they are at. It will be done. Like, if you... Now, there's going to be some that's going to do stupid stuff. Yeah. Right. But we ain't talking there's about, like... There's always people that just want to watch the world burn. Yeah, sure. or there's going to be exactly. crimes of passion, and, and there's going to be other stupid yeah. things. We're not you talking know, we still have a drug those. problem, yeah. but yeah. still, equity process, with 50 million, we can get the people to have drug issues help. You know, there's right. all those things that we could do that would immediately curb crime. And the thing is, is that there are nonprofits that are doing, doing this work. work. Like it. there are folks who have chosen to struggle meeting yeah. their bills, like and, and paying their mortgages and rent, yeah. so that they can do these this work of passion yeah. mm-hmm. to change their community around them. Yeah. And the local government is almost antagonistic. It. Yeah, that's a it. perfect word. You know, like antagonistic. Yeah. And so, what if we weren't? What if we were like, oh. You, you over here, uh, every, and, and then they come with research. They yeah. say, like, oh, we helped, you know, 150 mm-hmm. people in this, like, impact. two months, and then they this person stopped drugs. This person, you mm-hmm. know, found housing. Like, we, mm-hmm. we got them secure housing. That uh, We got these many kids fed. Like, all yeah. that. How can we, why would we not want to be a part of that? Right. Like, why would we not want to build that up? Yeah, it begs exactly. the question when you talked about working yourself out of a job, mm-hmm. that has to come into play because I always think about the fact that why do is it why does it feel like we're on op, we're in opposition yeah. when we should be in collaboration? Right. And it really, truly does feel like opposition because to your right. point, there are so many people doing all of this, but we also forget, too, that it wasn't as if this just happened one day. Mm-hmm they divested from us from our communities they took away community like mental health think mm-hmm. about the impact of how often do you hear somebody say i tried to get help for my person mm-hmm. and it was the hardest thing i've ever had to do and this person ended up either dead or mm-hmm. committing a crime yep. mm-hmm. how often do we hear that yep. so often All i right. actually just heard it today someone told a story on yeah. facebook in lansing of, of a neighbor that this happened to that yeah. they the police came they were aggressive they uh, were forceful with this person um, to remove them. So they traumatized the person and being aggressive mm-hmm. and being violent, removed them, took them to CMH. CMH let them right back out and the person ended up not in a good place anyway. Right. So this is our yeah. system. Think about a sliding scale, like a, a, a volume, a volume slide, right? Mm-hmm. Where it gets louder as the, as the um, crime gets worse. So the, the scale starts here because all the money is shifted this way and then as you move it it gets louder 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 that's more crime more crime more crime more crime Mm -hmm. it seems like this if you have vision and you are a leader of a city that you would be monitoring this like as we pull more back it's gotten worse and worse and worse all right we better put a little back in because and it seems like that would have been an ebb and flow like okay we're gonna okay we're gonna shut down hill vocational services right Mm -hmm. we're gonna shut down capital we're gonna shut down like you know, the, the Black Family and Child Institute. Like, we're going to take these things away. And then as they started to come away, you start to realize the crime is better. You're like, okay, the crime is worse. So let me let me put a little back. It's like they don't have that compass of that sliding scale. Like, they're not mm-hmm. realizing that as you all have taken away, taken away, taken away, things have gotten worse and worse and worse. And if maybe if you give back, it'll well, get better. So the the top level of like the areas of oppression mm-hmm. you know interpersonal society all that is ideological mm-hmm. so at the ideological level folks believe oh well they just did this to themselves mm-hmm. like black and brown folks are inherently even black and brown folks will say that right because we're not 
you know, if white people disappeared tomorrow, I don't want y'all to, but if yeah. you did, um, we would still have white supremacy because one of the tricks of white supremacy is getting in the brains of black and brown folks yeah. and mm-hmm. saying like, yeah, yeah this is true about your people. This is our fault. Um, and we're going to make sure that you see no other images. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about the representation in, uh, and why representation is so important with that black woman lawyer yeah. person. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I don't show you any other images, if I make sure that you only see yourself as, you know, drug users or mm-hmm. and murderers and all that, that um that I treat you like that. I put police in your schools to watch you. Mm-hmm. So young mm-hmm. age, I'm already telling you, you need to be watched. So I'm reinforcing mm-hmm. what I'm telling right. you. And then we're going to reinforce like all of the music that's damaging your brain and telling you that kill, kill, kill is a thing. Like you can't mm-hmm. even listen to 96.5 right now without every song, even if it has like a Mickey Mouse beat talking about killing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Mickey who's Mouse funding beat? that? Corporate America, mm-hmm. big, big money. No, we ain't up there doing that. Mm-hmm. It's like they're funding everything. So, so, so about that too. I seen in the, I seen we have this big wave of gun crime, mm-hmm. and everybody's asking where are they getting the guns from. And I keep telling them, well, a lot of these kids are, you know, they're they're at the age. They're twenty one years mm-hmm. old. They can walk into a place and buy them. And so this is where my two way advocacy comes in, where because I, I I think that that people should be able to, but I also think they should be. I think they should be um, educated on it. And I think that people do a lot mm. less harm with things that they know about and they know the damages of. Mm. And so um, they just they just had a Supreme Court uh, ruling that came back mm. and said that it is unconstitutional to say that somebody can't purchase a handgun until they're 21. So now the age is going to be 18, Whoa. which is like. It's so counterproductive to what we're talking about. If we're not going to add education onto that, then it's just more unsupervised. I don't want to say supervised, but guns that are out in the streets with, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like you're giving with more zero, access. Like understanding of the gravity. That's it. Why tools. would you do that the right tools. now? Like the, 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 the president just came out and like declared gun violence, like an emer- a state of emergency mm-hmm. and all these things. And it's going to put all this money into gun violence. And then you like give access to more people that have guns. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, it just it just doesn't Something make sense. Doesn't I, sit right. I feel like there's yeah. a bunch of people sitting in the room that are like playing Sims with us. Like, all right, it's really that. Yeah. Like, it's gotten terrible. Like, guns are everywhere. Let's give a little more to the 18 year old. And it's affecting the black and brown community. Like, yeah. I mean, in all level, in all levels. Because now they're gonna say, you can walk into a gun store and buy a gun at 18, but you can't have a CPL till you're 21. What kid mm. is going to buy an 18 or 18 year old is going to buy a handgun and not carry it? So you're setting them up for that, that, that problem. That was something important to note is that currently wow. you cannot buy a handgun until you're 21 at all. You can buy. Mm-mm. Isn't that correct? You can't buy a handgun in a firearm store. Oh, you can okay. buy a handgun, but like you got to get like a permit and all that. 18 it's a little harder. So it's now hard, you it's can, way harder to okay. get a gun. That's at 18. what I thought. You but now you can just walk store. in like anybody can and just run the background check and get one. But then you can't get a CPL yes. for three years later, which means that's three years that you're expecting these young kids that are out here in this dangerous environment not to carry that firearm. You're mm-hmm. setting them up. It's a setup. That's a setup. Yeah, I don't like that at all. And like you said earlier, like it's it's not just oh one thing. Like it's a bunch of small decisions over and over again. Um, It's not just one person. Slices. Like it's a bunch of people over time making a choice, making a choice, um, and not caring about the consequences of it Mm -hmm. of of those choices and the sum of all the choices too, like over time. Yes. Um, Folks really want to be like ahistorical. Like they want to say, 
well, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. bootstraps yeah. Like, if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah. You know, I only got a small loan of a million dollars. Yeah. No yeah. big deal. Yeah. You could do that too. Yeah. Um, and it's like, actually, no. no. Like, that's not that's even not a concept. Same. That's that we not have. even a thing. Yeah. I had to tell city council the other day, I'm like, do we realize that we are literally seeing the fruits of our labor? into fruition right now we have done this and i shouldn't even say we y'all and, and not maybe them in particular but um our officials have allowed the divesting from our communities mm -hmm. so now we see the fruits of that labor but your only answer is to over police us mm -hmm. that's your only answer right now and tonight was very sobering listening to that forum tonight the west side neighborhood association i don't know if they're going to put it out well, they want more police my gosh that was one of the most sobering conversations to hear and some of the questions and some of the answers. It was really depressing to hear that your only solution to what we have going on right now is literally more police. Mm -hmm. That is the one, like it's one trick pony. That's it. More police. Yeah. Not even investigations, not like, right. like, like solving some of this stuff and getting some of the people off the street. None right. of that. Just more police, like more, more boots on the ground new kids like i want more new kids that know nothing about policing out on the street right now that's what you want so police officers that don't live here uh, that's an issue it's so been an issue you're not a part of this community yep. you don't see black and brown folks on a regular it's basis a jungle so you can make a monster out of anybody yep. like if you decide to if yep. you decide oh they're just inherently you know violent yeah um they're stronger than me yeah. too like that's another mm. like story people tell themselves mm -hmm. Um, so there's, there's an inherent fear now. There's an inherent fear. Like, you can overpower me, so I need to take my gun out immediately. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like... We've seen this play out on video. Yeah. Where, where Over and over. Yeah, where police officers have reached for their gun and no no reason to do so. Uh, yeah, Darnisha, Darnisha Clay, who was killed at the bank over here on MLK, uh, same scenario. I mean, mm -hmm. there, was, there was three police officers in there. She was 17 years old. She was like 120 pounds, and they shot her three times. Wow. You know, because she has some scissors in her hand. Like, come on. Like, but my mm -hmm. whole point is, again, when I talk about <clears throat> them inherently escalating a situation, mm -hmm. often unnecessarily, mm -hmm. she was in a controlled environment. There was no danger to the public. There no was no danger to anyone anybody. else. It was a completely closed building. It was after hours. They could have given the time for however long they needed to to try to get, get her out. Her but instead, there, they went like, talk, in there. Yeah. Right. And she ended up dead. Right. Yeah. And the thing, the other thing people will tell themselves is that, Oh, well, she shouldn't have had those scissors. Mm -mm. Right. Yes, yeah, I know. Well, well, she shouldn't have been in there. Like, mm -hmm. right. Um, and so people will tell themselves that story so that they don't actually have to deal with. Feel bad about it. Yeah. Feel bad and don't have to deal with the fact that they are complicit, that they are safe. Yeah. That oh, that, you yes. know, that they are going to be OK. Yes. Um, Because white people do stuff all the time. Yeah. Pull out full guns and fire at police officers. Mm -hmm. yeah. fight, police officers. fight police officers. Stab them. All kinds of stuff. Yeah. And they still get put in handcuffs and taken mm -hmm. away. Mm -hmm. Kill 20 people and still get put in handcuffs and taken away. Right. And so yeah. we, so if we can look at that, and like, that's why I don't understand why this is still a conversation sometimes. Because I'm like, we can look and see that there are folks who actually kill people mm -hmm. and they get taken in. Um, sometimes after a very long time, mm -hmm. you know, they get taken in months later. Mm -hmm. Oh, now we decided to go ahead and file the charges. Yeah. Um, only because, you know, we got on the internet. Yeah. That sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Ahmaud Arbery's killers. Exactly. Yeah. And so, um, so we know that they don't, that people don't have to die, yeah. you know, whether you did the thing or not. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not a person that like, oh, well, you had a, well, you had a knife. No, like 
That don't even, mean I gotta die. Yeah, even if you did the thing yeah. that they came and accused you to yeah. do, you still don't deserve to die. No, Because exactly. they're not supposed to be out there saying, oh, you're guilty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now I'm gonna That's right. shoot you. That's right. Exactly. That's yeah. right. Judge, jury, right. and, ex- and execution is kind of a concept. So yeah. in the in the work that you do, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, this is why I asked the question that I did. I'm sorry I put you on the spot, but I, I love picking brains of people who know, like, what, how do I say this? I'm not, I'm not read on all of this. I'm just lived experience on all of this and what mm-hmm. I pick up from people I trust know. So this is why I asked you. Cause it's almost like validated what I kind of already knew. But what do you think about Jane Elliott? Jane Elliott. If you have is to think the about the brown, brown eye, blue eye yeah, experiment. Yeah, the white teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I haven't thought about her in a long time. Um, I think that it takes all kinds, which I think I said earlier. Mm-hmm. And um, there is... there is a white person who will only listen to another white person Mm -hmm. tell them about racism or about whatever the ism is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So I appreciate like uh, when there are white people who are actually trying to get other white people in line. Mm -hmm. Um, Get any people. Yeah. Go ahead. Gather your people. people. Yeah. Gather them up. Yeah. Get them all together. I'm always um, (laughs) like, you know, kind of paying attention when there is a white person that's like, Oh, I want to do an anti-racist talk or like whatever. Because I'm like, are you honoring the black and brown folks who did that research, lived that life, um, wrote that book, you know, made that movie, did that TED Talk, whatever? Are you honoring those folks because you're pilfering all their information mm. and, and can't and putting it in a thing um, wow. that you're probably, you know, getting paid to Get go and talk to the, that group of yeah. white folks? So I'm always like. You know, it's but that's tricky. that's supposedly, that that's supposedly with Jane Elliott. That is her thing that she mm-hmm. that she started and did. Don't know if it is or not, but I, I think she yeah. started it way back in like the 60s mm-hmm. with some mm-hmm. third graders or something like that. But when I watched that, it was impactful for me to learn how to. I was playing that for white folks. I was like, you need to watch this. Experience. Yeah, you were too. And they yeah. were sitting there and they was like, you know, some of them got upset and hissy. And I and, I, and so that's that inherent hissy. racism. Come on. I shouldn't. Can I say that? See, I no. just said it about. That wasn't the issue. Oh, okay. No, I just I just think hissy is a funny word. I'm yeah. Like, <laughs> and then you said it was hissy fit. Hissy fit. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I've heard of hissy. Yeah, hissy yeah. fit is an action, and then the other hissy is like about somebody doing that action. Mm. But, you could always say like people get upset. Yeah. Like people get upset. Yeah. yeah. So so I I did want to talk about this. Mm-hmm. This is very important because I have somebody who is so understanding of all of this. Um, how do we change the black communities? Um perception of the lgbtq um Mm. environment like like you know i grew up on the south side and i grew Mm. up you know predominantly around you know all all black people and uh you know but we was mixed and it was mixed and we had everything but one thing that we didn't have a lot of is you know the lgbtq and if we did uh, a lot they were of in there, yeah, I'm they sure. probably just couldn't be open because and of why, and, and, safety. That's my and why is yeah, that? I now know that. And why is that? And mm-hmm. what do we do? What do I do to try to be an anti, you know, somebody who's not who's against that process of discrimination, mm-hmm. you know, and it's something that I grew up. It's something that I grew up like, you know, I've had my sister who is, uh, you know, and my aunt, my uncle. And you always like, and I'm being very candid right now about my own experience. Mm-hmm. You never see that part of that person. You know, when you hear mm-hmm. somebody say, I don't see color, but you never see that part of that person. And you can still be somewhere else and like have joking, you know, about it or use, mm-hmm. use slurs and these type of things jokingly 
and never put in the context that my I, if I was to say that in front of my sister, she would probably be very, you know, very mm-hmm. hurt by this. You just I, I'm just saying from my own perspective. And I know a lot of people I was with a, a friend the other day and he kept making, you know, derogatory terms like, you know, against the LGBTQ, mm-hmm. not against them, but in in speech. Mm-hmm. And just just saying it about, you know, you know, uh, just people, but not in that, that general sense. But mm-hmm. um, well, how do you how do you attack that? Yeah. As a person like myself to say, hey, man, that's not cool. Or like get how do we shift this focus to where it's yeah. it's acceptable in our community, the black and brown community? Yeah. Big questions. Yeah. Ask big questions. Um, that's my one of my favorite things. It's like ask big questions. Let's figure out the answer. Let's go. So. um ask yourself why so why would you not uh have your sister be open like why why don't you experience that part of her life um and then you you can't be afraid of the answer um because the answer might be that you have said terribly homophobic things or you have um made her feel uncomfortable when she has tried to bring bring it up in the past and so therefore she's not going to do that Mm -hmm. you know and she will keep a wall up there are a lot of folks with walls in their families because they're like, well, I tried to be open or I tried to, I let you know. And, and you were like, ah, I don't want to talk about that kind of stuff, man, you mm-hmm. know, and you brush me aside. So that's always ask yourself why um, it's not on that person. That person experienced you in, in a certain way and you royal you, not you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but that. Um, I felt like you chastised me right there. You gave me the finger and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Ahead. I didn't mean to chastise you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you. Um, you have to ask yourself why would that person not show you that part of themselves or not be open um, and then change those things about you. Mm -hmm. You can always go up to a person and say like, Hey, I want to apologize for anything I've ever done that has made you feel like you couldn't be complete and whole and full with me. Mm -hmm. Like I want to be a person that you can talk to about who you're dating Mm -hmm. or about how you're feeling. Um, When the pulse nightclub shooting happened, Mm -hmm. um, I was at home with family um, but I didn't feel like I could talk to them about it. So I, mm. I laid in my bed and I cried by myself mm. um, and pretended to be asleep, you know, so that uh, nobody would ask me why I was crying. Mm. And so you have to ask yourself, well, why wouldn't you want to talk to your mom about it? Well, right. Right. she didn't want to talk about that kind of stuff. Like, or she would make me <laughs> feel like. You already knew what the response was going know, to be. You already know, right? Like, because you experience your family. You know how mm-hmm. they're going to respond to things. Um, I, I talk about the cycle of socialization in the trainings that I do. And so anybody can look this up, cycle of socialization. Um, but it talks about what was done to us to get us to where we are. Because um, there are folks who don't really wake up in the morning and like choose violence, like mm-hmm. choose to be uh, racist, transphobic, all those things. And they are mm-hmm. like at the same time. Right. So we can have multiple choose. You're not choosing to do the things and you're doing the things. Mm. Um, and so looking at your cycle of socialization um, all this stuff was done to us. We were given misinformation about folks. Um, if you lived in a house uh, and you watched TV and you saw images of gay people, but you never, you don't know any gay people in your life, in your family structure, you're going to be homophobic mm. based on the images that you're taking in mm. and the lack of images too, yeah. right? Um, and so attack that, like go into your mind and, and say like, well, why is this this way? Mm. Um, oh, because we only make fun of gay people on TV. So that's why I think gay people aren't real people mm-hmm. that matter, that have like, you know, lives and love and 
sadness and dreams and goals and all that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's about interrogating those things. Um, there were gay people in Africa. Mm. Like, we've been gay. Yeah. Um, we've been trans, you know, all the things. And Christian colonization did this to us. Mm. So the black community is struggling to get out of something that was mm. done to us by white supremacy, yeah. by colonization. Mm. Um, and, and they did it strategically, like to keep us in line, um, to make sure that we couldn't be whole. You take away a part of someone. Um, of who they are inherently. Of who they are inherently, right? And, and you change their culture. Um, and then you give them this, what, what we have now, where we, you know, are homophobic. Like we, we have these ideas of what a man is, what a woman is, mm -hmm. and, and you can't be anything outside of that. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that, I think it's about understanding that this was something done to us. And because it was done, it can be undone. Mm. Um, yeah. And that's like with that. everything. Like so that. do you, would like, you, undone. Oh, go ahead. So I was just going to say that's like that's with everything, including um, what's happening in our city. Right. So like we have um, parts of the city that are being built up and I don't see any of that happening on the south side, yeah. like in in a war two. Yeah. Um, I would love for uh, the old Kmart that's now going to be U-Haul. U-Haul, hard about that. Yeah. Like every time I drive past it, I'm a little sad because mm -hmm. I'm like, wouldn't that have been like a really cool community center? Man. Like an indoor been? park wow. where folks, Space. you know, we have like nine months of winter. Yeah. Um, and so wouldn't it be a dream if like winter we weren't stuck in our homes, but we could go walk on an indoor track. Oh, wow. With indoor, like, like with indoor greenery. Green oh, I was about to say with indoor greenery or something like that, right. like a park indoor. So it's so funny that so, you just said that. I was just yeah. going to ask you about that. Like we have this whole like economic transformation, mm. bringing mm -hmm. business and all of these things and every economics, economics, economics. And I hear gentrify, gentrify, gentrify. Mm -hmm. I was just going to ask you about that. Like, well, that's deeper that, than that, that with that U-Haul because that's like another form of like, mm. they're anticipating that we're going to be losing our homes and not mm. have things. And so they're like, we need more Symbolic. space. And there's so many storage places Already. down here. Already. In like, your ward. Yeah, yeah. in ward two. Yeah. Do you know um, how many there are in ward two? I drive by one every other. There's, there's like about some on Washington. There's like eight there's, of them. Yeah. Big ones. They turned Big a whole. Ones. So this is symbolic again. Mm -hmm. So the symbolic nature of defunding community orgs and community, mm -hmm. they turned what used to be Hill Vocational Center where they taught young people job skills, so on and so forth. They turned it into a police station, half slash mm -hmm. community center that's never open to the people. That's what they turned it into a police station. But then also uh, Mike Carl had the building, the Magnuson Hotel, and he was housing. Mm -hmm. Um, houseless there and I mean it was like the whole place turned into you know somewhere he could do you know he could feed he could do everything mm -hmm. he needed clothes they had a place to take a shower sleep all of that and they were getting vouchers to stay in this place and they moved how symbolic I just this is kind of this is crazy how symbolic is that that they 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 sold the building kicked them out and then turned it into a storage place for more mm -hmm. people that will be houseless to put their stuff in and lose mm -hmm. and then they could auction it off. And then now they're a part of the houseless. So it's just, it's just so crazy when you really yeah. look at how deep, like there is so polarizing or they don't even try to hide it. Mm -hmm. Like we're going to kick the houseless out and then we're going to turn it into a place for the houseless to put their stuff at mm -hmm. when they lose, when they house. lose their house. Like right. I can't like, it's just priorities are messed up. Like, the citizens, our most marginalized citizens, folks who are struggling paycheck to paycheck, or they don't have a paycheck at all, 
um, are experiencing houselessness, like they are not priorities of our local government mm -hmm. and they need to be. Mm -hmm. Because if you center the most marginalized folks, everything becomes easier. Better. Everybody benefits. Yeah. Easier. Like when we start making sure that folks have a place to live, mm -hmm. folks have food, like everybody do, will be okay. So how did that hit you that. when Back 40 was twice attacked during the mm -hmm. winter, in the dead of winter, when we were in like a freeze warning? And they were sending the fire department over to put out their fires and they were and eventually i think it was this january or december like right around christmas they went and wiped them all out moved mm -hmm. them out of there with no place to go like i mean just that's the type of stuff that just tells you like you know your heart just got to be a, a a solid piece of coal in there to do mm -hmm. that to a people you know what i'm saying yeah and the community wrapped around those people though this is mm -hmm. how brilliant how beautiful the people of lansing are right and so question for you if you were going to think of the top three societal issues in Lansing, Ooh. what are the what are the cause oh. of those issues in Lansing? Not mm -hmm. not not. And don't look back no. 20 years. I'm talking about mm. we know that there's issues that have, that have accumulated. Years, so yeah. So as your time here, yeah. if yeah. you were to if you were to be able to snap your fingers and make change of three things in the city. Focus. That would focus, yeah, focus areas, three things in the city. And this can be government, it can be nonprofit, it can be streets, it can be whatever it is. Three mm -hmm. things that you would focus on that you would change and place the right situation there and you think you would have the greatest impact. Three things. Gosh. Um, making sure people have homes. Um, and not just homes. Like, cause you can have four walls, mm -hmm. um, but if you don't have a home that is safe, mm -hmm. um, up to code, mm -hmm. like all those things, like yep. then, then what do you really have, mm -hmm. yep. you know? Um, so everyone has a home, secure housing, not something where you gotta like be out at a certain time of the day or um, you only get there, you only have it for a month or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one thing. And I think that also has to do with um, our like department that makes sure that housing is up to code mm. Mm. Um, because they're not funded the way that they should be um, as far as having enough people to actually go out to houses mm -hmm. and, and to check those things out and then to follow up mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. then to hold the yeah. right to hold the folks accountable who, who own the homes and are the renting them. Large, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, is that two or housing is the one? I think that's all one. That's all one. Okay. Let's put that there. Yeah. Um, that works. Our uh, public transportation, I think, can be upgraded. There mm. are folks who uh, I, I see folks on the bus stops. Nine months of winter, y'all. Mm. It is cold. We don't have no heated bus stops. And we don't have any heated bus stops. Yeah. Um, and I know that it's possible because yeah. I work in Michigan State. Yeah. And mm. in the parking structure, there's when you go the to the elevator, lamp. there's the heat lamp yep. in the oh, winter. Yep. Yeah. And so you stand there and wait for the elevator, and you're you get a little warm spot on Just your forehead. Yeah. So it's possible. Mm -hmm. Um, we're just saying it's not possible for the folks who need to get to their jobs um, mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. So Or anywhere. Or anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Doctor's appointments, jobs, um, all that. Transportation, that's a good one. Uh, these are these are setting up some great after questions. Mm -hmm. And not oh, questions, goodness. but after statements yeah. about these things. But yeah, that's too good. That's Transportation two. and housing. Um, gosh, I, I feel really passionate about education. Like I come from a line mm -hmm. of educators. They do. Um, my aunt was a teacher for 35 years mm -hmm. um and so i really i know we have to build a better relationship with the school board mm -hmm. so that we could actually like support that their work um 
and support our our kids like yeah. who are in the, the in the system right yeah. like making sure that their curriculum that they can actually see themselves in their curriculum mm. um mm-hmm. that they're not cuz if i took a picture of y'all right now mm-hmm. like and then i showed you you would look for yourself first yeah, right of sure. course and so when you see a curriculum and they're learning about all this history and present mm-hmm. and all the stuff if you don't see yourself like why would you be really engaged like right. yeah. you know how much so, retention are we seeing in yeah that? So, um, so I'm really interested in um, attacking that. Like, let's get into education. Let's figure out, let's get these police officers out of schools and let's get more folks who are doing what Voice is doing, right? Yep. Like, and you're paid a good wage, like mm. a living wage. Yeah, like you're not just in that. there yeah. um, getting pennies, yeah. um, but you can actually show up and you have the resources to do it too. Like yeah. if you want to take kids to go see a play yeah. um, or a musical, or I love musicals. Um, so if you want to take kids I to go musicals. see- I, I'm the, it's not the musical. It's the, when they break out in music in the middle of a movie or something and start dancing. Like, what was the show that used to Glee? Mm-hmm. I couldn't take it. I don't know what it is. Glee it just is makes different. me feel some type of way I when I see it. it. Yeah. I would not say Glee is a when musical. When they're like in a conversation and it starts to be an argument and they start singing the argument and dancing, I'm like, Yo, that's too much. I can't take it. I love a musical. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't think I've ever been to a live one, though. So I might like a live one. You might one. like a live one. Yeah, I might like they're, a live they're, one. They're really it's the movie fun. type. The, the energy is, is yeah. on point. Yeah. I've heard that. Yeah, so I think if you want to take kids to um, that culturally enriching stuff. Nick, Nick said, who's sitting back here? There you go. See? I'll break out in song right so now. so happy. About, that just made me so happy. He's like, why don't you love musicals? No. Then, yeah. He doesn't love musicals. <laughs> Listen, y'all are lucky I can't sing because it would probably just be a musical all Erica the time. Eric try to sing. You can sing a little bit. You can sing as good as don't I can sing. be lying to these people. You know I can't. Ooh. I don't know. I think you can. I can't. I think I if, can if you have a heart to sing, yeah, gonna then come whatever up. comes out, is that's, what's supposed to come you sing you just so don't that, do i just don't sing well yeah it's not yeah. Yeah. even if she has you. a song in her head and i'm like what does it sound like i'm like well just sing a little bit of it Mm-mm. like let's like oh, a, i don't even like the sound of my own singing voice it's that bad i'm like Mm-mm. so the three follow-ups to what you yeah. said um is number one if you could if you thought about one person that can make all those things happen in the city mm. And obviously they're not doing it. What I'm, 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 I'm not trying to lead here. I'm just thinking of trying to give the people an understanding of how these things work. Because a lot of times you hear people, they say that they have these complaints or these issues, but don't know who can fix it mm-hmm. or who can present the solution to it. And a lot of times they reach to us to think that we can do it. And a lot of times it's out of our power outside of a vote. Like a vote is really the only reason we, the only way we get power to change housing and give more money to housing and all those things you said. So like, um, you know, what, what would be the solution? Do you think? Cause like all of that is not really up in your realm to be able to fix. So where would it be at? Do you think? See, I don't even think that it's out of, out of the realm of city council. Yeah. Um, I think, so I've been talking to folks and I, I realized that I was saying team, Mm. I was like, when I get on the city council, I can work with my team to blah, 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 blah. Mm. And then I was reading over like a response because, you know, all these the newspapers reach out. They're like, mm-hmm. here's some questions. Answer these questions, you know. And so I was reading over the response and I stopped and I said, wait, are they a team? Um, and I really had to have that thought. And I was like, I don't think that they actually function as a team. I don't think that um, that they understand like each other's motivations. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe some of them. Like, mm-hmm. you know, interpersonal, just, you know, they hang out or they get a drink afterward or something like sure. that. I don't know the whole in, ins and outs. Sure. Um, but it made me think, okay, so when you win, 
you need to sit down with all of them and actually build that relationship. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to know what your values are. I want to know your motivation. This is not easy. Mm -hmm. So for someone to do all this, they meant like, something to them. Yeah, you yeah. have to have a you have to have a thought. You have to have a vision, a reason, yeah. a purpose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I want to know what that is because mm -hmm. then I can meet you there. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and, and then we can talk, and I can tell you what my vision is, and my thoughts, and and all that, and we can actually support each other. Um, and do really great things in Lansing. Mm -hmm. Like, I believe you can lead, follow, or get out the way. Yeah. And so if you're a person who's like, I just kind of like the title, um, right. I'm going to get out your way. Okay, yeah. get out my way. Get out the way then. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Like, yeah. don't now, be a barrier. What about you, Claretta? Yeah. Oh, yeah, great. I know your values. I know how smart you are. I know all these things. Like, let's let's put a proposal together yeah. and, like, and let's do this thing. Yeah. Let's exactly. get them to vote on it and, like, let's go. And, yeah. and I don't mind, like, being in front of y'all and presenting for a while mm -hmm. and then saying, okay, now let's vote after I've, like, you know, talked to your ear off. Yeah. Um, so watching the council work has been really frustrating to me mm -hmm. because there is no cohesiveness. And there, there should I say there isn't? Because there is. There's certain people vote together all the time on everything. But there's no there's fracture cohesiveness, but also there's no autonomy with each other. It's almost like because you voted this way, I'm going to vote this way. And I'll tell you why this is so important. It goes mm -hmm. back to the U-Haul spot over here. Mm -hmm. So Garza, your running mate, said not mate, but person you're running against. Yeah. I should the say. incumbent. Yeah, yeah, the incumbent. I should say. Yeah, incumbent. He actually spoke well on this. And he said that I've spoken to the constituents in the area and they do not want a new storage. Mm -hmm. They want it to be some type of something else. Mm -hmm. and Anything else. <laughs> and i thought that that should be it he talked to the people that live mm -hmm. in that area that should be the end of it there he should be no other kind this is not my thoughts this is not my feelings so it doesn't matter and then the vote went like plop plop north side west side person you know east side person all voted yes for this thing and i was like wow. the, the person who in that area said no mm -hmm. that his constituents don't want it he's talked to all of them and they had he's held meetings and did the research and yeah. you guys you guys just how voted how y'all wanted to mm -hmm. because of your own personal perspective on it. I, that's yeah. I think that a lot of times we're asking for somebody to go in and be a representative and not, mm -hmm. you know, we don't necessarily want so much of the person that's there. I want you to really listen to what we have to say. Mm -hmm. I want you to find out creative ways to get what we're asking for put through. That's really kind of mm -hmm. what it is. Like it's not more it's not that I want like the person to go in there and like I've been wanting to do all these great things and mm -hmm. I got a position and power to do that. No, what if that's not representative? You need to be the best right speaker, word. the best listener. You need to be the best person to put a proposal together yeah. from everything that everybody said to you. You we need to be able to gauge. One life. Yeah. Like I, I only go through the world as me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I can only speak for me. Like yeah. I can speak for me and the relationships that I build. Mm -hmm. I'm pointing at you again. I'm sorry. I'm putting my oh, finger that's down. Good. Um, <laughs> I, I don't do mind that. it. I like, do that too. Yeah, yeah, she does. She got long. I'm like, this is when I'm serious. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I get it. Yeah, so we we live our lives, and I can maybe speak to the lives of folks that I'm in relationship with mm -hmm. when they tell me their story, yeah. and then I can go, oh, I never thought of that. I never thought that you know people can move through the world and not you know experience it the way I experience mm. it. Yeah. Um, and so then I can take that. And I can go and do something. Yeah. But like, if we're not in relationship with, there are folks who don't know any black and brown people by first and last name um, that, that mm. aren't friends, like, you know, not in community at mm -hmm. all. How do you serve black and brown folks? Like we're here. Yeah. Like or we're the not black being and brown served. Folks that it's they evident. Know mm. have, are, are very different because we're not a monolith. We all have different right. views and different upbringings, different areas right. that we're from. And so people tend to get, tend to, 
um, gravitate towards what makes them feel comfortable mm-hmm. and don't never want to be in a situation that ain't comfortable. Right. <laughs> and that's uh, what point again. That's, um, that's <laughs> that means that I'm telling right? facts when you do that. I, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's like, white supremacy. White supremacy calls for um, comfort yeah. of white people. Yeah. Um, so if there's a white person listening to my voice right now, who's like, Oh, I'm uncomfortable. I don't want to listen to them talk anymore. That's mm-hmm. white supremacy. Like, right. And so, and you have, the ability to do that mm. um, when there are other people who can't opt out. That's true. Mm. Like I can't just stop being black because I don't want to get followed around the store right. mm. or, or whatever the issue is. And it's like, so if people can understand that, mm-hmm. like you live one life, mm-hmm. your life is different than other people's lives. Mm-hmm. Other folks are experiencing the world way different. Yep. Mm. And the, the, the things that they're experiencing matter and are just as important as your things. Right. Um, but folks really want to want to believe that it's not. Yeah, they yeah. want um, to be very, very specific in their own comfort, their mm-hmm. own lived experiences. And it's so hard to try to explain to someone, like, not only does our different experiences, because even each of us, mm-hmm. we don't have a collective experience right. even here as people of color. Each one of us has a different experience. And like you said, it's so much, it's very valuable, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't get to opt out of my experience. Yeah. So I don't get to opt out of my experience, but the fact that you would want to opt out of just simply feeling empathy mm-hmm. for my experience says a whole lot about the, the the level of privilege that some people can have. Absolutely. That's like mind. That's why I only let white people go so far with me into the war zone, because mm-hmm. when things get hairy, you can always take your exit and I can't. And so this is when we talk about allyship, especially with BLM and you know, so the NAACP is a, is a wide open environment that allows anybody in leadership and everybody in all these different places. But I feel like it's not an equitable situation because we're talking about black people. We're talking about people of color. But you have you can have, you know, people, white people in, in power in those environments mm-hmm. that don't understand the lived experience or don't have the same the same, um, you know, dog in the fight, basically. Mm-hmm. And so. Right, like if they fail something, it fail, meh. like yeah. don't get something passed, yeah. don't do a thing, then it doesn't impact their day to day. No, no, and yeah. so there, you're not, you're not sold on it. You're not, you're not as invested as I am. So I don't mm-hmm. believe I want you in that position to be able to make that decision for me. Mm-hmm. And so, same thing goes for the levels of, uh, you know, financial division that we have in Lansing, especially. Mm-hmm. Lansing is one of these places where. You know, there's a lot of cities and I, I didn't understand it. So this is something that I grew I grew to understand through just listening to people and asking questions of mm-hmm. what makes Lansing so hard to organize black folk? Why is it so hard? Mm-hmm. And it's so easy mm-hmm. in places like Saginaw or Flint or Detroit. You have multiple groups of black folks that come together and they can all be on one accord because they all are like family of the struggle. Mm-hmm. And in Lansing, you have so many different economic groups of black folks mm-hmm. in Lansing. It's really our divisions aren't based off of race so much as they are off of your financial makeup. Like class. Yeah. Class it's class. And so, you know, you got people like our current mayor who believe that if I get black people in the room, I'm good by way of black people, but you get in the only, the only black people you get in the room are people that are on the same social class as you. Mm. So that you're not, you're not representative of all people. And so that creates a divide amongst us further because mm-hmm. there's the have and have nots in every environment. There's going to be have and have nots. And it doesn't base. It's not based on color, most likely mm-hmm. or not all the time. Mm-hmm. But places like Saginaw, when the color, the, the, like the race divide does really impact the financial divide, too. Like mm-hmm. meaning that in Saginaw, like the white folks have money and the black folks don't or whatever the case is. 
it's a lot easier to collect together and, and have a unified front than to say, hey, we need help, you know, from down mm-hmm. down here or wherever. And I feel like Lansing has just been so hard to organize because you have haves that are black also mm-hmm. and have nots that are down, you know, saying, hey, you know, we need something. And, and, and they're only listening to the voices they feel comfortable with mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. So it's just been such a struggle. And Lansing is different than any environment that I've ever seen, like even Atlanta, where they have money, it seems like they can still come together on a common accord on things a lot stronger. Like, look what they were able to do in Georgia, yeah. you know, with voting. I just don't think we could ever get that done here. And we look at, like, we look at people who have inherently racist values for savior. Well, I, they're not going to say. So when I was mm-hmm. talking about, like, going into war, battle with people who have inherent racist values, even though they might be thinking they're fighting against it, when stuff gets tight, when you start losing they'll back out of that fight with you and now you still stuck there and you came with an army. So now they prepared an army against you and half your army left because they don't really have the Mm. investment that you have by just the color of our skin. Yeah. I think the thing that oppression does, and and it's not that I think this, this is what the science says, um, (laughs) but oppression actually changes the way that your brain can get creative. Um, I think that when you have been in a system where you have had to fight, like every day just for the scraps like um you are just surviving um that they're that it's hard to think outside of that Mm. and to to give up the like stuff we've been given like Mm -hmm. it's hard to unlearn the crap that holds us down Mm -hmm. um but i think tony morrison said you know if you want to fly you gotta like get rid of the shit that's holding you down like Mm. um and we have to do can i curse on here yeah america Yes, awkward. Um, Yeah, so so you have to give it up. And I think that you got to get creative. You got to trust people. Mm. Like, we got to get back to our collectivist roots. Mm. Like, like we are not individualistic Western stuff. Like, this was done to us, Mm -hmm. right? Like, when uh, in communities in Africa, when something, like, happened, and, and not even just, like, all over. Like, black and brown folks have always been, like, we come from people who are like, hey, you wronged somebody. We're gonna talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. You're gonna write this wrong. Like we're not gonna throw you away into a prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, throw you away into a prison and forget about you. Mm-hmm. Like throwing humans away. This was something done to us. So mm-hmm. we need to get rid of that. Yeah. Like and understand that we can change. Like things can change. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that anything is impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think that organizing in Lansing is impossible. There are people doing it. Yeah. There are people trying. Um. I think ego is something that white supremacy teaches us. Like it's about you. That's the individualistic stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, so you think, oh, if I don't get my name on that, mm-hmm. then I'm mad. Or mm-hmm. and so I'm gonna like, not only am I going to talk down on your, you know, organization, I'm gonna go and start my own organization mm-hmm. where I can be the, the CEO, <laughs> the CFO, all that stuff. And it's like, what if, what if we really kept, like, our community uplifting our youth. Um, taking care of our elderly, like all that. What if we kept that at the center? Mm. And anytime you felt like, well, me, 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 and go back to the center. Mm. Does does you caring about getting your name in that article or getting the recognition, um, getting the award or whatever, does that serve the center? Mm-hmm. Mm. No, it doesn't. That doesn't serve young people. Mm-hmm. Like and make sure that they can, you know, not only um, dream, but they can actually create, mm. you know, their mm. lives. Um, yeah. And when I look at War 2, I'm like, where's our community center? I don't even know what War <laughs> you know, 2 like, is. What? Well, you have one, Village Lansing. 
Say that again. The, the village. village Lansing is, is in Ward Two. Group? Our no. center. Our center. Our building is in Ward Two. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah, we I'm just talk- realized that. I'm we- talking about our community center. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, like, like the, the city's like, community like yeah, center. the city community center. Well, there's it's only yeah, they're all of them are based Ward on the north side. Yeah, yeah Ward like, Two doesn't have that. No. But there are people who live here. Yeah. So how do we how do we not have a community center? Yeah. So um, I, that is something that I was wondering is mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you because obviously once you decide like I'm gonna run like you have to know and start collectively looking at like what does this ward look like what's the representation yeah. here what do, what do we have what we don't have yeah what are some of the things you've identified that are ve- that you feel are very important for that ward in particular because I have no clue your ward two is yeah. mysterious to me it is a little mysterious right like I think people. People just live in war too. Mm. Um, but the the sense of community, like we don't have a community center where we can just go hang out, go have events, like all the nonprofits that might get, like y'all are down here. But mm-hmm. if you wanted to say, ah, let's like do an event for like a hundred people, mm-hmm. where's the location you can go right. scout out that yeah. can actually serve that many people for yeah. for an event? Um, so it's important to think about those kinds of things. Like and, and war too was just kind of left behind like we got on, on pennsylvania which is like a main artery of of getting down here mm-hmm. um you know there's car dealerships there's places for you to get your car fixed there's used car dealerships as well as like you know the lexus place um we have hawk island which is beautiful mm-hmm. um but we really need that's county that's a county yeah, park. right county park, yeah. right um we really need a place where folks can go and have a touch point Mm. to to talk to their local government yeah to yeah. connect with the nonprofits. True um when you get somebody in um there was a city council meeting probably like a month and a half ago i don't even know what time is anymore um <laughs> where they were <laughs> they were talking about um decriminalizing having paraphernalia mm-hmm. right yeah. uh, i think brian t jackson brought it up yep mm-hmm. and so um so they're talking through that and when you get somebody in for like a needle exchange mm-hmm. like you know they're a user they, they want to come in and do it safely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then you can connect them to other resources. Yeah. But if you mm-hmm. criminalize yeah. having the paraphernalia, you can't even get them in to make sure that they have housing or yeah. food. Or if they want to stop, they can actually get to a place where they can stop. Yeah. Mm. You or know, concerning too, it ends up in some kid's foot. Yeah. That's my concern. Like, really, because we had needles by our building. Um, and I was like, you know, I didn't want to touch the trash bag because they might have mm-hmm. thrown it in there. So, like, those are concerns. And we talked about actually getting a needle box out mm-hmm. and yeah. hanging it out there so that people can put it in there. And, I, right. and I don't want to attract people to come do it there. But if you're going to do it, I want you to put it in a spot that's not right. going to prick you. Harm reduction. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. something. You touched on a good point, though, because I think, like, the, the community. You use the word mm-hmm. community because I don't know what I think of when I think of War Two. I can't. Mm-hmm. Usually I can visually, like, conceptualize, I guess on yeah. a map or like right places people you think places, of, we can things. say think rio places. town we can yep. say old town we yep. can yes. say horrocks yeah like you or can, michigan ave from michigan first ave. Ave. Yep. Yep. um and and yep, first when people talk about those places they they talk about the kinds of folks who live there yeah mm. like you know the up and coming area there's like mm-hmm. young folks over there yeah. and then there's these folks over there um but War Two just kind of got lost over time, mm. um, and there there's a bunch of different people who live in War Two. There are low income folks. There are folks who I think the CADA CEO lives like on the other side of Pennsylvania from where I live. Hmm. Um, there's, there's well, that's at least where his house is at. That's where one of his houses that he supposedly. has to have. You ever heard this? You ever heard I don't know trip? much about him. So I just I heard that he lived when you over talked there. about, I'm glad you said that because when you talked about uh, the the uh, transit. There's mm-hmm. a big issue going on right now with uh, the unions there 
Mm-hmm. Uh, ATU 1035, I believe it is. Maybe. It's having real issues right now Cat with um, the Cataborg because they're having contractual problems right now. Like, it's mm. really bad. Like, they've been fighting really hard. I have to and look into it. I yeah, have you, have, you have it. to. And I can get you in touch with... Um, with uh, the, the the union president, and uh, matter of yeah. fact, we went to a That's protest. That's the other thing. I love a union. Good. I think folks yeah. should be able to organize and make sure that they can Good. like get the wages that they deserve, yeah. get the resources yeah. they and deserve, they the benefits, yeah, like all that. Yeah. yeah. And so Steve Salas is the is the union president, and I've been in contact with him, and we actually went out to a protest they did, and Jeremy Garza was actually there because he's a union guy. So mm-hmm. everything is union, 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 which is great. I'm union too, mm-hmm. but um. You know, that may be somebody you want to get in contact with just to find out where they're at with it, you know, and that's in your ward. Fourth ward is where Cata is. Or excuse me, second ward is where Cata yeah, is. I was about to say. Yeah, second ward is where Cata is. And um, that may be just something you, you know, you reach out and find out, like, where they're at with all of that. So they're looking to, to speak with, yeah, you know, different people from the council. Just but they're having a lot of issues. It, yeah. And yeah. It's really with the city, uh, there's four, I believe four or five out of the nine board members are city appointed by the mayor shore. Mm. And they're really having like a really hard. This the CEO was appointed by that board, and so it's just, uh, it's really, Layered. really, ter- yeah, some real issues going mm-hmm. on. Over there. Just so you know that. So t- yeah. talking about you know, um, services, I I, w- I wanted to say that the people who are in place to make those services you talked about, mm-hmm. um, don't believe in like equitable process. So I don't believe that you would get it with the current board unless you press that issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're right. Like we should have that, and I know the concern of them would be that well, then you know houses people will hud into huddle into them to stay warm. We well, then make warming the centers things. there. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I'm saying? There was an issue that happened at Cata, uh years ago where you know people were in there trying to stay warm, and then the police came in and started pushing people out when it was like mm-hmm. 20 degrees below. So and sad. and it, and it, I think it was from I don't I can't remember. Uh, it was punks with lunch. Yeah, punks with lunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, they went, actually went to That's jail. A great organization. Yeah, they actually went to jail trying to keep you know the police off of these people that were in here Mm -hmm. and so you know you said it best in the very beginning of the talk the most marginalized if you take care of the most marginalized Mm -hmm. truly take care like give them the necessities and resources they need everybody else will be happy and they would quiet me down (laughs) you know if the marginalized if most marginalized people in the city were taken care of you get me off your back but it seems like they mule up like Mm-hmm. Because we complain about it, it's like, well, how can we move around and not have to do what they say? So much so that mm-hmm. I'm like, maybe I should start telling them to not think yeah. about the marginalized. <laughs> reverse, like, like I have psychology. to do like child reverse psychology. Like, you don't want that popsicle in the freezer; it's no good. You know, like maybe yeah. I gotta like do that type of thing to get them to move. But genuinely, just hearts ain't there. That's how I mm-hmm. feel about it. When I watch like council, and I've been there, you know, in tears some days talking about mm-hmm. this violence in the city and our kids dying. And they're just stone cold. I couldn't even watch a grown man sit there and cry in front of me about the violence that I know is happening and not get teary-eyed. How do you sit so stone-faced? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's an art. Definitely, (laughs) like, a lack of empathy for for a lot of folks. Um, Just not being able to, like, care about your experience. Like, and and that I can see that you're a person that matters. You're a citizen of the Mm -hmm. city. Um, So you matter. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I, I think about how um, folks will get upset when someone comes up to their car asking for money. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I see that person, I don't think it, that them asking for money is a failure of them. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a failure of us. Yeah. Like, 
um, there's more than enough love in Lansing. Yeah. There's more than enough care. There's more than enough money. Mm-hmm. If yeah. we have our priorities in line, right. that's it. That's it. I'm pointing again. Yeah. Because I'm serious now you got about your this. Going that Make way, that point. Yeah, no, like, I love it. You get your priorities in line, you, yes. so folks don't have to ask for money because they have it. Our yeah. priorities like, are terrible. Yeah. yeah, and so, so folks thinking like, oh, that person asking for money just, they just they don't work hard enough, or they're yeah. not. They're what would not you say to somebody that says that sense. though? I want to ask that real quick, and then we got to mm-hmm. we got to wrap up. But what would you say to somebody who says that our government is not our issue? You know, we hear black folks say this all the time, like our government and our problem is our problem. It's our problem to fix. What would you say to somebody who said who has that sense or somebody who says, I don't do politics? Politics does you. <laughs> politics does you all day. That's and it. so That's um, it. I would start there. Just be a little quippy. Yeah. Um, but in all seriousness, there are people making decisions and those decisions impact you, whether you think whether you think about it or not. Yep. Um, they impact the folks around you, um, who you see and who you don't see. Mm-hmm. So if tomorrow we just never saw anybody on the street experiencing houselessness, mm-hmm. would anyone notice? Like, mm-hmm. I like to think that someone would go, what happened? Mm, yeah. You know, like Charlie used to be on the corner and yeah. now, mm-hmm. and I used to drop Charlie a sandwich and where's Charlie at? Yeah. Like, we have to be concerned with what's going on around us. We have to take care of each other. We have to think, about the different avenues on how we can take care of each other. So mm. y'all mentioned punks with lunch. It's like folks got together and said, we can feed people. Mm-hmm. We we know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Like we yep. can figure that out. Yep. Um so figure out your lane, y'all, and like let's do work. Mm-hmm. I love um, do work. Do work. Like, Should everybody be involved in politics in some way? Even if it's just information and getting it. Not maybe it isn't running for politics, but definitely voting. We know that. Yeah. But maybe even just knowing the things that are going on it's involved, just knowing, um, being aware. in your opinion I think being aware yeah yeah um and i will say that i have relied on my really close friends to pull me in to mm-hmm. some things because there's so much information right yeah, no. <laughs> um it's hard to even get it all out it's sometimes. hard to me and then you know information coming from this direction is skewed a certain way yeah. mm-hmm. and then this one is only that little bit of information kind mm-hmm. of thing so um just making sure that you're curating like mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, following different things on Instagram and like whatever, mm-hmm. so that you can actually go to the internet and find the information and call the people and all that. So I think being aware mm-hmm. is really important, um, especially if you're someone who has a lot of privilege, like white, cisgender, straight, mm-hmm. like all those things, like ask yourself who's missing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then why are they missing? And then mm-hmm. how do I get them in here? Yeah. Like if you don't, if you can't question. notice that some, ask big questions. Like if you don't notice that someone's missing, that um, that things are happening, then you're not going to be able to do anything. Like mm-hmm. you're not even gonna, you can't face the issue because you don't even see it. There's right. not even a step two now. Like right. Yeah. So things are going to stay right where they are. Um, for every privilege that somebody has, there's someone who does not have that privilege. Right. Mm-hmm. Facts. So before we close, I do want to ask because you get to kind of talk to Ward Two, and all, yeah. of course the city. What would you want to say to Ward 2 or your potential voters um, yeah. as we close the show? Gosh, uh, hello, potential voters. Um, I hope that you vote for me. I hope that you want to imagine with me, reimagine, create. Um, we don't have to be stuck in the things that we were given, the, the things that we have inherited over time. We can do better. Um, we can do better by all of our citizens, and I want to do better with you. So vote for me and let's change Lansing right on love it perfect so 
This was Oprah Revish running for second ward city council. On today, we had a lot of conversation, and this is what I told you it was going to be. We want to mm-hmm. know who Oprah is. It's not necessarily just about what you're going to do at council seat because we hear that every time you're on a on, you know on one of the on the other shows or on the other things. So I wanted to really hear who Oprah is, and I think I got a better understanding. But one thing I do want to say is Solace Center. What mm-hmm. do you do there, and what does the Solace Center do? Right. So the Solace Center is Lansing's LGBTQ community center. Um, we house groups. So there are there's a true group, which is LGBTQ teens, um, 13 to 17. Um, and so we actually partnered with uh, child and family charities mm. to, um, to have somebody facilitate that group. Uh, we have a trans mass group. Um, there's a writing group. If you're LGBTQ and you want to write, you can join a group and do that. Um, basically, uh, we are the community center. So if anyone mm. in the community wants to do anything, we can help connect you and get the word out. Um, so if you want to make socks for kittens um, mm. and you happen to be gay, we can connect you to other gay folks who want to nice. make socks for kittens you know, and, and build that community connection for you. Um, I spent the last year with um, Isabella Copeland and uh, Dio Aldridge, we were a trifecta of directors um, as we had some like staffing changes. Um, I've moved away from that position a bit, um, but our board is still holding down Salas and we have some dedicated workers in there. Um, but Salas Center is what you make it because it's a community center. Nice. Um, yeah. I see it all the time. You guys, did you move? Was it someplace else or was it always on Washington right there? When it was first established in uh, 2017, it was over on Michigan Ave. Okay. Um, oh, where okay. now I think they've built all those apartments. Oh, it was right there. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and okay. now it's um, on Washington. Is that most recent? Is that like recent that that place was built there? Or that you guys were there? Uh, when did we get there? Was it in the last year or two? Uh, I don't feel like I've seen it there. You know what? We've been there for a while, but we just got a new sign. Oh, oh I bet yeah. that's it. So I actually it had mu- somebody reach out the other day and said, oh, my gosh, Salad Center's over here. See, and I was sign like, is so important. We got to get our straight. Did you find this okay? Or? Yeah, this was fine. That's okay. Our yeah. sign signage. out there still no, says we got H&M that stuff. beautiful sign up there. Yeah. Um, that's our custom font. Mm. We actually had someone make that font for us. Nice. Um, so, yeah. It's nice. Now, it's now catchy. folks can see us, um, yeah. and yes. I hope they. Once we start being able to have like open hours, we'll yeah. publicize those, and I hope folks will come by. Lovely. Right, I Love appreciate it. it. I think it's awesome. Um, you know, as I educate myself more on the community, you know, I, 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 I think with BLM, you know, I had to have conversations and learn more about the most marginalized because we always think it's it's just black people right Mm -hmm. but there's marginalized groups within black people Mm -hmm. and that's what i started to learn i was like wow when we talk about the most marginalized people yeah you know it it definitely they definitely belong to that group so yeah black trans women yeah like we gotta take care of black trans women um, they have been at the forefront of so many movements, mm-hmm. um, especially LGBTQ movements and Stonewall riots and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, and they don't get this the protection. Mm-hmm. Um, they like the oppression that is created for them is between sexism, transphobia, mm-hmm. and racism from own people. All from, that yeah. from all of it, yeah. yeah and right. so we we gotta take care of our Black trans women, yeah. Latinx trans women, yeah native trans women like everybody yeah. trans women appreciate you so much for coming on the show after Me the primary too. we're going to probably do another round of this to have some more conversation yeah. i'm moving forward so hopefully you uh come back on for us there 
I would love to. All right. So I'm it wasn't so as bad sorry. as you thought it was, when was it? You, it was cool. No, this was cool. Just the one question that would, I would need to be said, and I think that you didn't lose anything off of it. I think you told the mm-hmm. truth, and I think that most people understand that concept, and if they don't, they weren't going to vote for you anyways. They weren't going to like And we're you, severely you know. lacking the honesty and transparency and realness of people. Mm-hmm. I, I, we're lacking that. And yeah. people that can't do that, I think, you know, they yeah. shouldn't be in positions of power. One of the things of white supremacy is this good-bad dichotomy. Right. So, like, you, you say oh, hey, you messed up on this thing. Yeah. Folks are like, oh, you're telling me I'm a bad person. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a bad person because I recycle. Yeah. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. I feed my cats. I feed my cats. I feed my cats. Yeah. And it's like, actually, I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm saying you did this, this one action thing. wasn't yeah. great. We can like, fix that one thing. Right. And this is what, uh, and not to, not to continue on with the conversation, but this is one of the things that we're seeing downtown right now is that they're being told they've done something bad. And instead of mm. saying, maybe I did something bad here, maybe I'm not thinking about a whole people, they're doubling down on the bad and bad and bad mm-hmm. and then hiding it. And that creates a new issue. And then it creates another issue. So, you know, flipping that table is the most necessity. I, I feel like this is probably, and not just because I'm paying attention to this one, but this is like one of the most mm. important elections across the table that I've, that I've ever seen in my life here. And I've been here 40 years. Yeah. Um, change happens at the local level, yep. like at yep. local uh, things like this one. The, and people only really want to go out and vote. That's another thing. People only really want to vote when there's a presidential thing on there. That's why this is such there. a this, this is, is such important. a one that gets forgotten. Right this here. is really important, yeah. and I think what happens in this election will change the landscape of Lansing. Like yes. it'll it'll change the direction completely. I agree. So folks gotta vote. You can get your absentee ballot. Mm-hmm. Um, you can actually put your you can go online, and do the application for your absentee ballot mm. up until the Friday before the election. Oh, wow. And they, they mail um, at, like the absentee ballots up mm-hmm. until the Friday before the election. And you can go in person on the Friday and the Saturday before the election to vote wow. at the county clerk's office if you want to do it in person. You don't have to go on August 3rd. Yes. Wow. So voter education, y'all. <laughs> there's so much more. We have such a great conversation. Mm-hmm. With. I you, have a, you have a lightweight ticket that you're moving with right now. What do you mean? Like a ticket of people, that like you know, see. that a ticket is like you oh. know, like multiple candidates that are all kind of lined like, up with each other. So yeah. Coretta, Coretta Duckett Freeman, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Farhan, Farhan Omar. Is that mm-hmm. the three right there? Yeah. So we're kind of like um, we were all endorsed by the Democratic Socialists of America, mm. um, the chapter here, the Greater Lansing chapter. And so great, I, I love working with them. Like they have been working their butts off to get us uh, to get our names out there and all that. Um, knocking doors knocking doors yeah. yeah and so that's it's been really exciting to work with the dsa um and to work with coretta and to work with farhan mm-hmm. um so yeah you need Values a fourth aligned. you need a fourth do we no. need a fourth are you gonna fourth. get another fourth or do you, i mean you guys talking well, to anybody is there anybody that might fall in line with the same kind of you know yeah. thought process you know time will tell you should go back and watch the shows of the people that we've yeah. had on for at large because you need yeah. an at large uh, is all is all you need right now, and then you know go back and watch those shows. Well, see Coretta's what you see. are at large. Mm-hmm. There's two. You know, there's two. That we, need, we, need two. Know. we need two. Yeah. We need two. We need. I was. I heard about this strategy called plunking, where with the at large you just pick one because if you pick two and there's an incumbent in it might not get wiped out and you want that oh. other one in. But if you pick two and that second person that might not really be your you know your absolute choice that you kind of put that second person in there but you really mm-hmm. want Claret in. That second person might get more votes from somewhere else if all of her people vote for two people outside of that. So it may be smart to just keep one mm. and just and tell everybody that you you know that you have the votes to just hit that one person. And this was a strategy that was told to me today. I had never heard about it. But I've never heard of that. Good enough. Yeah. So yeah. talk about that amongst yourselves. Yeah. That okay. might be important. <laughs> the strategy. 
Yeah. All right. So thank you all for coming. See, look, I plumped for Coretta. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> there it is. It popped right up there. That's funny. Thanks, Laura. Hey, Laura. <laughs> there it is. I plumped for Coretta. Uh, so anyways, uh, thank you all for coming on the yeah, show today. Uh, Monday, we have Kathy Dunbar will be on the show, uh, mm-hmm. candidate for uh, mayor. So uh, she'll be on the show. Yeah, it'll be our seventh show. Yeah. And I think that's going to be a good one also. Lucky there's a lot of seven. information to go through. Lucky seven, yep. Uh, so there's a lot of information to go through with her, and uh, it'll be a good show. So we'll see you Monday, 8 o'clock here, same place, uh, same time. Uh, again, go to America20Life.com. Check out T-shirts, all of that good stuff. Um, cups are on the way for anybody who's already ordered those. Other than that, our last here, show. like and follow. Yeah, like and follow. If you guys are here and you're watching us and you like what you see, like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, YouTube, and our Spotify, and our iTunes, Apple iTunes podcast is up. We're everywhere. Monday show everywhere. I listened to like three times. That's the first time I've ever listened to myself all the way through. <laughs> uh, so I'm I sorry I've been, I've been doing that to y'all, like putting all this information, but I, I listened to that all the way through twice. Uh, you know, just fell asleep to it at night, woke up, listened to it in the shower. Mm. It was a good one. I, I was like, I was really, not myself specifically, but the you topics. You were really in the zone. You yeah, were so the, good. The topics that we were talking about was like, those it were, flowed. it yeah. flowed. And I wanted, I just was listening to it, you know, what was coming out. A lot of times we go through these, we go through these and, you know, after you're done, it's like, what all did we just say? Mm-hmm. So sometimes, you know, when you're on it live, you're going to listen to yours mm-hmm. multiple times. Trust me. You're going to be like... <laughs> How did I answer that? Did I what say, why did I, I had to say this? You're yeah. probably going to comment in the section. That's what I, it happens with everybody. Mm-hmm. You come on live and a lot of times we forget the camera's even there. Come sometimes we kind of mm-hmm. feel like you forget the mic's here. And so you're going to go back and listen to it. But. Yeah, and people will ask questions later because they'll think it's live. They'll jump oh, on here watching yeah, yeah. it so you'll see yeah. them asking you questions and yeah. stuff yeah. because they think it's live. Yeah. I'll yeah. go into the comments and make sure I answer questions. <laughs> yeah. And as it grows, uh, you know, you'll see the numbers grow and more people have seen it, mm-hmm. share it, do all that good stuff. So. Anyways, thank you all for tuning in with Oprah Revish, City Council, Second Ward Candidate. Uh, We love y'all. Hope to talk to you and not about you. Peace. Bye. (laughs)